0: Hey y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Squaring Circleville and Libertalia. Plus, special guests join the show for reviews of Colors of Paris, Pathfinder Level 20, and Don't Blink. And finally, after my suggestion and help from a listener, there is a new Taste Bud segment with something healthy Dragon Fruit.
1: Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 252, Crossroads. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. Who spent his
2: whole weekend at Tantrum Con. Yes, I did and absolutely had a blast. This was the first year that it was in Charlotte, North Carolina, our hometown. So it made it very easy uh, to get to and to attend. To it, I hate I could not make it. I had uh,
1: other arrangements, i.e., Getting ready for the 30th anniversary with my wife and flying to St. Croix. So I had to make sure because they still are requiring us to submit a COVID test results.
2: You were there Thursday night? You were there Saturday night?
1: Yes, but I was in full bubble suit protection mode. I was like, nope, I got to get tested. Nope, Mm -mm. don't talk to me. Nope, get away from me. Don't, I'm not going to mess this up. (laughs) My wife will
2: have me drawn and quartered. But meanwhile, you were on stage as tons of people were shoving moon pies down their throat. No, I wasn't. I was back with the camera filming that.
1: And that is something I am looking forward to, to play with, to see if I can actually edit that out. So that'll probably be produced, you know, about two to three years, maybe months. I'll see what I can do with it.
2: So at this event, uh, for those who don't know, uh, we had a strike tournament. Uh, that also had a moon pie eating contest. Now, we had been working with the great folks at Tantrum House, and they really helped us out, helped us promote this and get it all set up. And they had a nice room for us with a stage. We had people come in and play a game of strike. And the idea was, is that everybody who won their game had the option to come on stage and compete in a moon pie eating contest, which consists of seeing who could eat six moon pie minis the quickest we had six participants on stage shoving uh, moon pies down their mouth. And I think all of them thought it was going to be a lot easier than what it turned out to be. They did. They didn't realize just how
1: dry a moon pie can be <laughs> and how it can just suck the saliva out of your mouth. As Rob Rouse, one of our winners of the uh, strike event, he quoted, he was basically just, he, he was like, he didn't expect it. I'm like, man, of course, a Moon Pie, it takes that saliva away. It's so good that it just takes it out of your mouth. But yes, that was an incredible event. Appreciate all. What, what do we have? About uh, 30 plus people in the room. And thank you to all of our listeners who attended and said hello to us. I hope you had a good time. I know I did.
2: Oh yeah, it was, it was amazing. And the person who won actually practiced he practiced just in case he was in the competition and actually timed himself and and understood that he said, I understand that moon pies make your mouth dry. So every contestant had a bottle of water there that we gave them so they could drink water and stuff as they went. And uh, the champion, the winner, basically ate six moon pie minis in one minute and 58 seconds. So this is the first time i ever done this. He has set the bar for future uh, competitions, and hopefully we're going to do it again in the future. Uh, Tantrum House was very pleased with the event, and it's one of those things that seemed like, well, it seems like we'll get a decent reception uh, to this, so maybe we'll do that again next year. And so you need to train, because you you know the the time to beat is now 1 minute and 58 seconds. And we're not heathens with this.
1: We were not, well, like Mark said, we gave them water, but they also had to slam down some RC. Mm. So so they had to quickly chug a a small glass of RC that we had prepped for them. Because you cannot have a Moon Pie without RC Follow. You got to have a chaser.
2: That was a good addition right before the competition. Uh, Tony, you you added that, which I thought was really clever. So after you had that six Moon Pie, the clock ended as soon as the person guzzled that uh, cup of RC Cola. I bought some extras just for
1: myself. I had forgotten how sweet RC is.
2: Woo! If you're used to zero sugar and diet drinks, it's it's pretty sweet. And now let me just say this:
1: this was a non-sanctioned strike tournament. This had nothing to do with declaring the winner. It's very important for me to point that out, especially to mm-hmm. our various listeners who support the gladiators in the arena. And I had my shirt on, so I was there in full force. But we had some amazing turnout, and I mean, amazing battles going on. I saw one Marty where someone the bowl was cleared. And Mm -hmm. or the arena, actually, they were playing in a bowl. They were not in the arenas because you brought plastic bowls that had sides that are huge.
2: Well, we didn't have enough copies of strike for every table. So I did what we do at the Gen Con event. And I had some plastic bowls from Dollar Tree in my dice. We need to look for. And those were great
1: bowls. I'll give them that. But man, those sides were huge. People were missing those a lot easier. But (laughs) once they got them in, I mean, they were slick and you could just watch them go, you know, have you ever put one of those coins in that thing that goes round and round and round and round the charity little thing? Yes, yeah. So people were throwing it, and that's what it looked like. The little the little gladiators were going round and round and round and round and round. And those, I was just like, these bowls are high on the size. But my point is, the bowl came to them empty. They rolled their dice. This was like in the second play of this table, and they of the five die, because they had started out four match. They got they rolled oh. basically yeah they got four of a kind right there. Wow. But oh, so much excitement! Late at night too, got the adrenaline going, so we were wide awake, which led us to something else that I'm very embarrassed by.
2: Uh, you're very embarrassed by. Sorry. So here's the thing. What's the thing? What's the? Tell me about it. Rob and Christine from Blue Peg Pink Peg uh, came down and uh, hung out. And we uh, played and hung out for a bit. In fact, uh, they're going to be joining me for a, a segment of a game that we played together uh, later on in the show. In fact, we got several special segments this episode, Tony. Vanessa is going to be joining me for a view, Donna joins you for a view, and then Rob and Christina join me for a view. So that's going to be exciting. A lot of different voices to be able to hear on this show, which is why uh, this intro will not be as long as uh, as normal. But anyway, went out to eat on Friday night, and Travis from Queen Games, uh, who's also a friend of the show and a friend of Rob, talked about them playing uh, trick-taking games together and playing... Oh, oh,
1: oh, oh uh, Sorry. And thank you, Travis, for donating games to our winner uh, for our raffle at um, the Strike Tournament uh, Moon Pie Eating Contest, and also Berkey. I, I'm sorry, I wanted to get that in and I forgot. I'm sorry, Marty, for the interruption.
2: Berkey from Game Toppers was also there. A lot of his Game Toppers were there. It was really great seeing him and hanging out with him. That was amazing. He donated a mat. Uh, thanks to Miniature Market for giving us a $50 gift card to give away to the winner. So the sponsors of this event were Queen Games. Oh, we actually played a game of, uh, they had a, theirs called Scrap Racer, which is we found out is a really fun racing game late at night at a con, R- really okay. good family game. Um, and also miniature market and then game topper. So thanks to all them for sponsoring. So anyway, so we, we were out eating some really good barbecue. I found a local barbecue place. Everybody wanted to try it. And they had the best fried squash I've ever had. Where was this? What was the name of it? McCoy's Smokehouse on Old Pineville Road. Oh, that must be a new one. Or McCoy's. Uh, anyway, so anyway, okay. uh, very, 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 very good. So we, they were talking about, oh, we love playing trick-taking games, and they were talking about being partners and stuff and liked spades. I said, wait a minute. Tony and I used to play our share of spades. Uh, maybe we can uh, have a game of spades, this tantrum con. They said, bring it on, big boy. So Tony, you brought a deck <laughs> of cards from Origins 2000. 2000- what is the story of the Origins 2009 deck of cards so
1: you know i enjoy my card games i love them and i like having spare i mean i've got a deck of cards in my bag uh that i carry my work computer in i've got cards laying around um i always take cards with me in the suitcase and whenever i see free cards i pick them up so i guess we were at origins the one or two years i think i've only been twice and somebody had them laying out on the table and i'm like that's a free deck of cards
2: i'm gonna pick that up it's free your wife taught me well. It's free. It's me. So anyway, for history, Tony and I used to play tons of spades in our apartment in college. And uh, it's one of those things that you know you got to know your partner. We played really well. So I said, all right, Tony and I got this. We'll, We'll challenge you. So after our Moon Pie event, we were sitting in the back corner of the open game room and started playing spades. Now, right off the bat, I must apologize to Tony, my partner, for being a horrible partner that night. Tony, you've been playing a lot of uh, uh, card games and a lot of bidding games recently. I haven't, and my bids were atrocious. I was overbidding. I was underbidding. They included this thing called overbids or sandbags, which we never played before. And for some reason it freaked me out. And I felt like I had to bid more than what I wanted to, because I didn't want to have any overbids. Anyway, I apologize because I royally screwed up that game and they
1: obliterated us. You're being too hard on yourself, sir. Let me just say that you're being too hard. It's true. We haven't played spades in quite some times. I haven't played spades in forever. It's not one of, uh, the f- family fam- favorite card games. So it's either open Shaw ah, shoot hearts was probably the last card card game I've played. So this overbooking sandbagging rule, which is very simple rule. It says that if you take more tricks than you're supposed to, then if you get up to 10 in a, in a game,
2: then you get a minus 100 points. You collect 10 extra tricks over the course of a game that you shouldn't. It's mm-hmm. minus 100. And you and I had never played that format before.
1: Right. But it's very similar to Opa Shaw, where you got to be exact with your bidding. Right. Opa Shaw is one of my favorite card games of all time. So when they said, I said, okay, I understand what you're doing here. And that's fine. But I don't think it was so much you. It was learning who we were playing against. I'm going to tell you something. They're bidding. I'm like, what the heck are you? Two. One. What kind of, I'm looking at my hand and I'm thinking y'all should be bidding eight looking at what I got in my hand total. Cause I was like, there's no way. Okay. So they were sandbagging. They, they were definitely sandbagging. us. You think they were doing it on purpose? I think somewhat. I th- cause even Rob admitted that he was like, Hey, you know, I like throwing or sandbagging people periodically, but I'll get myself in
2: trouble. Okay, I didn't even think about that. So what we mean by that, uh, for those who've played Spades before, is that you know there's 13 tricks taken per hand. If we were the last ones to bid, and you'd add up the bids, and say there's six bids left, and Tony and I think uh, we've only seen four in our hand, we think, well, maybe we got more in our hand than what we thought we would, but we didn't. (laughs) No, we didn't. So we pushed our luck. It's like, oh, well, obviously I can win... With this jack here that I probably didn't think I could. No, I could not win with that jack that was in my hand.
1: (laughs) And and your partner, me, I mean, I was four suited all freaking night long. Mm. So when I would pick up my hand, you know, the first thing I look at is, okay, my short suited anywhere. And then if I am short suited in a particular one, like a couple of times I was short suited in hearts and diamonds. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I can. Oh, crap. It's the ace and king. Or the ace and queen of hearts. I'm like, that's an easy, that's going to be one. Somebody's going to lead that. So I can never get a nil bid, which means I'm not going to take any tricks. Me, personally, I'm not going to take any tricks. And every time I picked up my hand, it was so frustrating because I'm like, okay, oh, oh, good. I I got all low. What the frick? I got the ace of spades, which is Trump in spades. I'm like, that's the ultimate card. So I can't say nil. And I'm like, okay, middle of the road cards the whole night long. And then I screwed you
2: up the one time you bid, Neil. You didn't screw me up. There was only one card that could burn me, and it burned me. That's that's all it was. It was a jack of spades. It's the only one I had. I prayed you had one of the three higher than that. That was it. Well, no, I had the jack of spades. You had a different s- suit that was your high Oh, card. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had jack of diamonds. That was the only one I had. And I was hoping you had the three, one of the three higher than that.
1: And I, But what I should have done is, because Rob's like, that was a strange play when I laid the jack of spades. I'm, so I'm signaling to you, hey, jack of spades is my highest trump card. Here it is. Sure. So if you got anything over this, hopefully they'll play higher, you know? And they're trying to force you to take tricks because nil, if you fail your nil bid, that's a minus 100. Yeah. And I was looking at it. I'm like, okay, I should have kept bleeding Trump. I should have kept playing the Trump. And this way, you could have potentially thrown off your other high suit. But I switched suits to indicate, okay, here's my next highest card in my hand. I played that so bad. And I just,
2: yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I will say this. That was one of the most memorable events of the con. I mean, there was something about just sitting in the corner, four of us playing spades. It was very casual. We were talking as we were playing. I really forgot how much... I know you say you love playing cards, but it is just something about having a deck of 52 cards sitting around at a convention like that and just playing a game like that. It doesn't have to be a big board game with a bunch of bits. We just enjoyed uh, sitting there doing that. So big thanks to Travis and Rob. I really, really enjoyed that. And I hope that becomes a tradition. That'd be really cool every year. It's like we get together and play some spades at Tantrum Con or something like that.
1: I'll do it anytime. I'll even hide away the Origins 2009 deck just so we can always have those going because actually, those are pretty nice cards. They had a good wax feel to them. They shuffled really well. I was surprised by that. But yes, yeah, you can tell I love playing cards just from the excitement in my voice. And when you did that, I was like, oh, Wait a minute. y'all, y'all
2: <laughs> that was excitement in his voice. So don't, don't be confused. If you've never heard Tony <laughs> excited, you just heard that was excitement. I don't know what the difference between excitement and grumpy Tony is, but, but that was it right there. Grumpy Tony is a little bit slower. Okay, okay, gotcha. he's
1: like, oh good gosh, get this over with. And then I did something really silly. I'm sitting there, and out of the corner of my eye, I see people c-
2: pulling shrink wrap off of three sisters. Some from the guy who was complaining, I need to get home. I need to get home. We only have to play one more hand to put us out of our misery. And you get up and go start teaching a game somewhere else. And we're sitting there going, What is going on? We just need to play one hand and then everybody can go home. So I'm sorry. Yeah, I was trying to. uh,
1: Yes, they didn't have a teachers needed sign up, but
2: by God, I volunteered for it. I went over there. You were a good Samaritan to go over there and help them out. I just would have waited. I wish you would have waited like three minutes so you, you can go over there after our game was over. Because I'm sitting there stewing. They're thirty points away from winning, knowing this game is over, and I have to sit there and wait.
3: <laughs> I'm, right there, I'm
1: but I was thinking you would just throw it in, man. I was hoping you just throw it in. Just throw it in. Go on. Uh, look at me over here. Don't don't just cancel. Just forfeit. Just go ahead and forfeit.
2: Speaking of teaching, I actually had a teaching session of the Lord of the Rings card game to four players who had never played before. They all really enjoyed the game. And I just got the latest scenario uh, from Fantasy Flight uh, for Lord of the Rings uh, card game. I really thought that Arkham Horror and Marvel Champions had replaced that. It's like, yeah, Lord of the Rings is ancient, outdated. It's, it, it doesn't. It feels out of date now. I have enjoyed playing it. I talked to a, a friend of mine at work, and I thought, you know what? This really isn't that bad. And in fact, after going back and playing it, I think overall, I may like it better than Marvel Champions, honestly. Okay. And it's one of those things that's like, you know what? If I had somebody to play with, I think I'd rather play this than Marvel M- Marvel Champions. And uh, I think it's really cool they've re-released the core set. It uh, basically supports four players. You have enough for four players, which is what I did with one core set while teaching it there. And uh, with just individual scenario packs coming out, it's no more of the packs of includes heroes and in the scenarios. No, 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 no. It's just like, hey, here's a new scenario. Go play it. I love I love this That's nice. format and how they're releasing it. See, I've got
1: it set up at work so I can play it during my lunchtime um, mm. to sit there and just do the single player. Can I use any of the old scenarios that I have somewhere in this house? Okay.
2: 100%. It is all the same cards. It's just repackaged. Uh, To make it easier for those who never played to just try it out. So no more, you know, multiple releases per cycle or anything like that. I think that's all gone. Okay. I look forward to that. If they release a cycle, it'll probably be all in one box. Here, Ooh. here you go play. Because that's what they're doing with the Arkham Horror now.
1: Do you think that they did this because of the new Amazon
2: show that's coming out? I don't think it hurts for sure that it's like, oh, guys, you know what? A lot of people are going to be talking about Lord of the Rings, and we happen to have this really sweet card game that was Mm -hmm. really popular Mm at one time. Just throw some new stuff on it. I mean, new stuff on it, meaning a a new box and repackage it differently. But all the cards and rules are exactly the same. So yeah, the the group really enjoyed uh, learning it, and I enjoy teaching it to them. Okay, well, um, maybe you'll come back and teach me how I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> solo is hard if you're not mixing decks or making your own decks forget it you i think it's you can't play solo i say you can't it's really hard to take the pre-con decks out of that box and to play solo they're too specific too specific I mean, this is really good at fighting but you can't quest this is really good at questing but you can't fight <laughs> you know that sort of deal Oh, hold on. I had a a good mail
1: week. Hold on. I'm going to put my blanket off my lap. I got to get something to show you. Hold on. Here we go.
2: His blanket off of his lap. All right. A few moments later.
1: Okay, I'm back. Sorry, I'm in in Studio B here in the McCree household because my wife was upstairs working, so I'm in the other room. That's why you're not seeing the unmade bed. Sorry about that. (laughs) I I know you come to expect it. So if you sign up and I know we don't didn't usually do our miniature market and I will make sure when we do our miniature market, I'll put this in the commercial, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Miniature market sent me my, did you get a $10 gift card for a minute? Not a gift card, but a $10 off $50
2: for my birthday. Yes. For your
1: birthday. You did. All right. So I can't let that go. Did you let it go? I did. Oh man, you are so wrong. So I'm, I'm searching. I've got my price set on miniature market and good mail week this. So I picked up my Hitler's Reich. World oh, War Two cool. in Europe. So that came in. I told you about this. And it can be played in under two hours by GMT. So we're getting all into these GMT games.
2: I love it. I love it. I can't wait.
1: One or two hours. So I'll be reading some rules and we'll be able to get some plays in. So I'm very excited about that. So hopefully, and I read a lot about this. This is one of, um oh, uh, you know, Rob from Rob's World. Yes. Rob Orrin. He talks a lot about this game, and um, when he did a review of it, that's what sold me on it. I immediately I watched his review, and he was talking all about it. I was like, oh, that looks like a cool game.
2: We've got a lot of cool two-player games you and I just need together and have a, like a GMT day between that, Command & Colors, Ancients that I got. But what's really cool is now that you know Coin, I know you're getting ready to go out of town, but I do have Colonial Twilight set up on a table downstairs, okay. ready to go when you get back, and we'll play Colonial Twilight, which is a two-player coin game, and we'll play it uh, over video.
1: I told you what weekend to reserve for me. I told you. I put it in the channel. I'll remind you again on Slack some other time, and I'm just like, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll go one entire – because when I get back, Donna's not with me. She's staying in Washington, D.C. with Rebecca.
2: That's right. So if we want to, we can have a big game day uh, or a two-player GMT. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, I may be in on that. We can play for four days straight. <laughs> I don't – i', I I'm, I'm a free man. <laughs> That's, that's a potential. In our last episode, we talked about Cuba Libra. And after that episode, I had another teaching session uh, with three guys. One who already knew how to play and two who didn't. I Just so you know, I taught it 15 minutes shorter this time. Nice. I cut it by 15. I didn't go over every single action. I said, you don't really know. I'll explain it as we go, what those actions are. Everybody really enjoyed it. It was insane. It came down to a tiebreaker at the very, after the fourth propaganda. It's one of those things. The propaganda came out at a time where the winners were like, oh, crap, there's nothing I can do. I had the last move. I denied July 26 from winning. I was playing directorio, Ooh. and it was like, I know there's no way I can win, but I can make sure somebody else doesn't win outright. So we got to the final propaganda, collected our stuff, and it came down to tiebreakers. I went from finishing last to finishing second because I did that. It just created it's one of those you know i talked about games that create stories that was an amazing story for it mm-hmm. to happen and come down like that so love it i'm glad that uh, people understand how to play this game and i i, I can't wait to play some more of these historical games man
1: oh yeah i mean way to be first loser that's awesome
2: hey it's better than third loser this the, is the way i look at it before we get out of uh, I'm not product. going with my.
1: I'm okay. Finish that. I'm, I still got my mail. I gotta go. Oh,
2: through. I am sorry. I thought. Oh, no, you, you you got more. I apologize. It was a good mail. Week. please okay. please continue. It's okay. No, Tantricom. If you want to go there, go there. No 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 no. This no, no. we're jumping all over the place. Just go ahead. You you got some miniature market mail.
1: Yours arrived, and then I got my the one ring free publishing. That oh smell that book. The RPG. The RPG. Oh, let's get. Yeah, ah, man, isn't the art and everything in that just gorgeous y- yeah i'm still oh maybe we should instead of a taste buds we could do a smell buds
2: <laughs> where we we open board games and uh smell you remember our first year we had that uh, saying smells like a rainbow yeah from from a card game absolutely <laughs> if you
1: open a new pack of cards there you
2: go several people in our discord channel have gotten that so i'm i'm sad i'm going to learn the rules and i'm going to run a one-shot uh, for the one ring. So I backed it on Kickstarter and they sent uh, us a review copy too. And Tony got that. So a uh, big thanks to free publishing for sending to- that to us. I can't wait to uh, try it out. It was absolutely gorgeous. Any other mail items that you got there? Well, when I
1: get back and we have our two weeks, we will be breaking Ascension tactics. Ah, Ascension oh, tactics.
2: You haven't taken the shrink off. No, uh, Have you heard the issues? I'm curious if Uh, you have the issues everybody else has with really bad quality control inside that box.
1: No, I haven't. I don't want to be disappointed before I go. Well,
2: I hate to tell you that there is a long thread on BGG right now of a lot of people who are very upset with misprinted cards, uh, damaged uh, models inside there. So I'm very curious to see how it looks inside that box.
1: Mm, well, we can experience it together because I'm sure there's always the opportunity for me to complain later.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. you backed it on Kickstarter. This isn't something that was sent to us because no. I'm very interested in two. We we love Justin Gary and his games. So I'm really curious if that's a like every single production copy had problems with quality or were they one-off sort of deals. So that'd be really curious to see.
1: You know, I can see that between all the issues, supply chain, yada, 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 yada. So it's one of those things. And I was like, shoot, just getting a notification of shipment seemed like that took forever. So mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, so when we're done recording, I may just open it up. And then this one, when it come back, I can tell you how displeased I was and how grumpy I am. Gotcha. So gotcha. No, no sense opening it now and getting grumpy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good.
2: Oh, well. Uh, so the last thing, going back to Tantrum Con, I just want to mention this really cool game that I saw from Smirk and Dagger. It's a game that's coming out on Kickstarter. And I was talking to him. And they said, hey, we got a new deck builder coming out. And it's like, okay, there's 6,000 deck builders out there. So what's special about this deck builder? Must admit, this one is, is kind of cool. So in this game, it's called Behext. B-E-H-E-X-T. And you have battle mages that are fighting against each other. And a battle mage may be able to cast a hex on somebody. Let's say we're playing four player and I have a cast a hex towards you. And uh, you have to respond to that hex. If you don't, you're going to take damage. The goal is to knock down a person's health all the way to zero. In a typical deck building fashion, you have a deck of cards in your hand. You may have a card that you can play that will deflect that hex to the left, to the right, to the person across, and then that person has a chance to respond. So you're bouncing this potential damaging hex around the table. And once it lands and it can't be blocked, that person takes damage. Well, that stinks, but if that ever happens to you, that's when you have the opportunity to go to the market and buy a new card to make your deck better. So it's like a little bit of a catch-up mechanic. Oh, you just got hit. Well, guess what? Now you have the opportunity over everybody else to make your deck a little bit better. And when you buy a card, it goes directly into your hand, not to your discard pile, so you immediately get to use it. And the goal is also you can get victory points. But the the cards that give you victory points are also bad. The more victory points they're worth, the worse they are in your hand. So it's one of those things like, well, I've got a card with victory points in my hand, but when this card comes up, it does bad things to me. So then you have to decide, well, do I want to go ahead and start taking those cards into my almost like Dominion? But you know, those cards do nothing but just take up your hand. Well, this takes up your deck and it does negative things to you. But there's also a built-in way to cull and... All four mages, and I think there's more than that, maybe six mages, have special abilities. So I thought between the whole idea of using deck building to almost do like a combat type scenario and then be able to only buy cards after you, uh, or one way to buy cards is after you take damage and stuff. I thought it was really cool. I think the art looks great. So a game that plays in like an hour or so supports three to five players, and it's out on Kickstarter right now. I don't know. I was very interested in it after mm-hmm. hearing how it kind of works. And Smirk and
1: Daggers, uh, their games have always been one of those about, you know, a better use of term, but uh, stab you in the back. Well, yeah. Okay. So Behex always enjoyed the deck building games. So, yeah. Okay. We'll keep an eye on that one. Go over and check it in the Kickstarter. I'm sure somebody will put a link
2: in the write-up. I'm sure there's a bunch of other things I'm forgetting from the show. There was some really cool vendors in there and everything like that. But overall, Tantrum House did an amazing job. People ought to attend uh, next year. They, they put on a good show. It's very family friendly. They have events going on for their kids. Uh, I think there was more that has attended this event than any other one they've ran. Well, I think well over 500 people attended this event. Wow. It was a very, very nice hotel. In fact, I was talking to them. They were like, you know what? We've probably already maxed out this room they either need to add more rooms or find another hotel because it was pretty packed in there uh, Saturday night and Saturday. There wasn't a lot of open tables left in the open play area. Okay.
1: And actually the hotel they're in has a excellent location to the airport. So it's like a 10 minute ride from the airport It's a great location. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little, I wish, uh, yeah, unfortunately for Charlotte, our hometown here near the airport, it's not known to have a lot of food in that area. So, hope uh it was good that they found where they did cuz there was that Soul Kitchen ac- across the way and a, a, a Mexican uh, establishment over there. So, yeah, that be, ooh, rolling some food
2: trucks. Yeah, there you go. Oh, food truck. Yeah, that's that's good. But they have a hotel and a restaurant so they probably don't yeah. want a food trucks sitting yeah, sitting right outside. Don't. Speaking of food, so get this. Vanessa went down to Mississippi and previously I talked about the new Bucky's that's on Interstate 20 on our way to uh, Mississippi. And on the way back, she said, Marty, I'm going to stop and get us a couple of those uh, Bucky's brisket sandwiches that everybody talks about that we didn't try when we were there. Sure. It was, she got them and about six hours later, it got home and they they were already kind of room temperature. So I threw them in the microwave and heated them up. Holy cow. That is one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. Okay. It was so Good. If you ever go to a Bucky's, you got to get the brisket sandwich.
1: Okay. And I see you're still alive after six hours in a car at room temperature. Yeah. <laughs> botulism <laughs> does set in, but or maybe not. I don't know. But you are still upright, and that's all that matters.
2: That's right. But anyway, uh, I'm infatuated with Bucky's. I'm like, I made it go. Back. Yes, We're like, you are. Well, when, when we go back to Mississippi, it's like a destination point now. She got brought me home some of their uh, beef jerky, which is really good, too. Oh, she brought home a homemade peach cobbler muffin that they make there. Ooh, wee, that was good. Holy cow. Oh. Uh, I can just lived there, and I said how packed it was. She said it was insane. She of had course. to get gas. She said there was no open pump anywhere around that building. She had to keep driving around till a pump opened up. It's just like everybody goes to that place. So maybe that's our retirement plan. Maybe that's the exit strategy.
1: We for, we make a buckies in North Carolina.
2: <laughs> it would make an absolute killing. But now that we're talking about food and everything, uh, we actually have a couple of different things that we want to try out in our Taste Buds segment. Taste Taste Buds. Taste, taste Buds. Taste Buds. Taste buds. Taste, buds. Taste.
1: Ah, taste buds. Plain and simple, I just need to get off my butt, find someone who can sing in the neighborhood, offer them a game, and maybe we can do something professional here.
2: You you want a jingle? You want a musical jingle? Is that what you want?
1: Yeah. I need to write. Let's, what, could, what could rhyme with buds? Buds. Suds, studs. Stu- oh, studs. Oh, I'm liking it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be writing me some lyrics now. I'm going to be, you know, let's see. Let's think through this. Two incredible studs. They're just a bunch
2: of taste buds. Something like that. I don't know. I'll come up with something. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. So tell me, Tony, uh, what are we going to be trying out tonight? Because it's several things. Oh, yeah.
1: We've got a couple things here. Now, um, first off, a big thanks to Julia, listener of ours who, who took care of us here. And um, one of the things we're going to be trying is because she heard Vanessa say, Have you boys ever heard of fruit? Eat a banana. So we've got dragon fruit. A very unique looking fruit.
2: Julia from out in California said, have y'all ever tried dragon fruit? We said, no, I don't even know. Maybe it's around here. I don't know. I don't think I've ever, it is. And uh, so she was so nice. I mean, I can't imagine how much this cost. She overnighted us from a a website that sells exotic fruit. She sent us dragon fruit, a red or purple uh, one and a yellow one Mm. plus Thai bananas. But the bananas aren't ripe yet. Uh, right. They're still very green, so we won't be able to try that tonight. So I guess we'll have to coordinate to see if we can test them together uh, when they are ripe. If not, we'll just have to taste them and come back and say what we think. But before that, Tony, you you gave me something that we're getting ready to try right now.
1: Yes, the new Coca-Cola Zero Sugar Starlight. Starlight. No, that was Star Vocal Band. That's something different. Starlight.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Stars in flight afternoon delight No, but this you know is what that
2: song's about right
1: yes it's about a picnic uh so okay sure yeah that's what i re- thought when i was growing up and i heard that that's, song f- that's f- that's fair so we don't know what this tastes like no we don't it i've always said that you know when cocoa put it out it's supposed to be ethereal every time you taste it, it's supposed to be ethereal i'm like i have no idea what ethereal tastes like do you know what ethereal no. is? Okay. I've never tasted Ethereal. I guess we're getting ready to find out. All right. So here we go. And what you uh, know what stunk in the grocery store when I gave you this? I don't know if you if Vanessa was able to find anything. What kind of can is this? This is a big whopping, what, two ounces? Seven and a half ounces. Tiny little can. This is like a swallow for me. That's why I brought two. Gotcha. My oh, nice. holy cow. So here we go. All right. Pop the lid here. Smells like the d- coke zero
2: yeah but there's something else there i'm not sure what it is it's not happy gas no it's not not laughing gas Mm -hmm. yeah all right all right should we try it here we go all right um that's interesting i mean like 100 i know what this tastes like to me tastes like ginger oh i don't i don't know that is not what i got what did you? i got cherry vanilla cherry vanilla like a really strong vanilla, slight cherry. Okay, vanilla. I'll go with vanilla. Yeah. There's vanilla there, but there's a little something else on top of that. I'm not sure what I, I'm you know. We gonna... you got you... what is it? What is it when they make candles or perfume? There's like uh, multiple scents. There's like a primary and secondary scent, and something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. Is this one of those things you would continue to buy? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not I'm not sure that I would either. It's funny. It's zero sugar, but it tastes very sweet to me for some reason. I'm not feeling that ethereal lift that I'm supposed to be getting. Well, that, that's it. You've just tasted ethereal. All right. So here's the thing with the dragon fruit. This is an odd looking fruit. It is. It's kind. Of, it's kind. Of, it looks like an alien. It does.
1: And but it, uh, for some odd reason, though, it looks like I don't think it looks cute. I don't know why. It looks like a like a something you'd see on a board game. It kind of creeps me out. Yeah, it's like an alien from well we just uh, talked about on two fifty one free radicals.
2: Yes, yeah, you know exactly
1: or, or cryosis or or no that's um, cryo
2: or whatever you know. So yes, it looks like about the size. It looks like it's a heart with tentacles coming out of it. Yeah, exactly. It does. It's kind of cool. So you've already cut it. How do I cut this thing, man? All right, you first, pre-cut yours. I have a I have a very large sharp knife in my hand. So let's see how well this goes. So uh, as we're, do you we're have here. a cutting board? N- no, but I'm I won't run it to the desk here. I'll go. Pretty
1: okay, slow. so you need to cut off both the top and the bottom ends. But you don't have to. Oh, I, mean, I do. Yeah, you need Not to cut just off. One.
2: Don't need- cut in the middle.
1: Don't cut the middle. You need to cut off the ends. All right. So we're cutting off the ends here. I can't see what he's doing, people, but I'll describe it to you anyway. He just made a couple of cuts. Okay. That's good. Now cut off the top.
2: Hmm, doesn't have much of a smell it to it.
1: has no smell to it.
2: The fruity part.
1: Okay. Now cut it. Not. All right. Well, you took a lot off, but that's okay. Oh. Okay. Just barely anything. But that's a fine. Now cut it. Not in. How do I say this? Cut it long ways. Yes, cut it long ways. There you go. <laughs> People are
2: listening going, uh, what in the world are y'all talking so, about? So Yeah, cut oblong it, So it's funny. I would have th- thought that the skin was tough. It's not very tough. It's not- actually less tough than uh, an apple. Yes, very
1: much so. And
2: I mean, so when you cut it,
1: you, that's why you cut off the ends. You cut, you're you cutting the stems off. You probably don't need to. It just makes cutting it. And the way you cut it, I mean, he, hey, he took off probably three quarters. Of, no, I'm kidding. What color is that? Very dark red. Mine's white. What? Let me see it. Did you do the yellow one first? No, this is the red one. I'm very confused. I am too. You might die. But it
2: looked like this, right?
1: No, it's supposed to be white inside.
2: No, no, no. no. I'm saying the outside, the flesh looked like this.
1: Yes, it's red, but it's not supposed to... How in the world did you get red? Yours may be overripe. This will be interesting. So if y'all hear a big... Thud on the desk.
2: is cause Marty died. Well, wait a minute. What color's are it supposed to be? It's supposed to be white. It is. Yes. Well, hold on. Before I put this in my mouth, I need to give it a to Vanessa. Google. See what happens with her. I'm googling what color is dragon fruit on the
1: inside, and how, and that should come back. I mean, maybe, maybe they have different ones. Maybe there's
2: red, white, pink. What color pink. should it be? The flesh uh, can vary anywhere from white to hot pink. It's hot pink. Okay, so you got a hot pink. I got a I got a white. Oh, no, it's deep red with tiny black
1: seeds. I see the tiny black seeds. Okay, so mine's white, which is what I expected. I did not know it did that.
2: That's pretty wild. That that's pretty cool. It's very pretty. It's very pretty. Smell it. It doesn't have a strong smell. No it, smell. it doesn't smell citrusy. It smells like almost like vegetable. Yes. Okay. So right. I got a spoon. So we're just going to dig into it.
1: Just dig a little bit into it. It'll be easy to get out. Nothing to yep. it. Barely any inconvenience. Yep. Here we go.
2: Here we go. Oh, um, it's not a very strong taste at all. It's got no taste. <laughs> it's not citrus at all. Mm-mm. Nope. Would it be more of a melon taste? I think no. it's more taste. No, because you no. can't stand melon. Okay.
1: I can't stand uh, cantaloupe. I love watermelon. It's not sweet it's not very sweet at all it's juicy. this is what my daughter told me to expect water with seeds
2: that's fair mm-hmm. which is kind of like watermelon well no there can be sweet watermelon never mind somebody said it almost tastes like a pear to me pears no. don't have a very strong taste no no pears are okay. sweet to me pears are, pears have a stronger taste than this it's good I'm enjoying it I think You're I mean it. i I like the consistency of it, it has a consistency of of what.
1: I mean, I don't have to chew it. My tongue can press it against the roof of my mouth without any
2: issues, and it dissolves. Mm-hmm. Maybe approaching a watermelon, where the yes, the flesh is very soft. Yes. I, so here's here's the thing. We have a yellow one too. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that one open.
1: Yeah. See what that one looks like. I didn't bring mine with me because I was saving that. Ooh.
2: Oh. Then maybe I shouldn't cut this one yet. I mean, I can go get it, but if it's the same thing, I'll go ahead and cut it. Yeah. Okay. Now this the flesh is actually a little bit tougher on this one white
1: there's the white okay all right there
2: All right. You go. So, so i'm gonna try i'm gonna try this one now, by the way it looks like the juice of this would stain very well good thing i mu- i got paper towels down this looks like something that gets on your white t-shirt you're done mm-hmm. should be the same thing it's not what is it
1: it has a different taste more of a taste. All right. Well, let me go get my yellow one. Hold on. Be right back. I thought they were the same.
2: A few moments later.
1: So while you were going, I've ate,
2: I've ate half of one. I like this.
1: Okay. Well, I took mine to Donna and she's trying it right now. And she's like, well, it's not bad. It's just very bland. Yeah. So let me try the yellow one. Here we go. Because Rebecca's right now FaceTiming with her. And um, she was like, yeah, it's okay. And then her, her boyfriend is... is uh, heart tie so he was explaining to me about the bananas and what to expect and okay. what i need to do to make sure it takes about five days for them to ripen okay okay this is much better
2: yeah don't i there's a lot more seeds in this i gotta save this for vanessa i'll let her eat the other half i i like the yellow one yellow,
1: the yellow one's oh, good yeah. yellow one's much better we'll have to see what the difference is oh yeah, yeah. Mm, that's good
2: so it, i guess it has a little more sweetness to it
1: yeah mm-hmm i'm going to figure out what you use dragon fruit for and what cooking
2: that's good that's one of those things that i would like get and have as a little snack mm-hmm. and it makes it with the small yellow one it's 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 a nice just to cut it in half and use a spoon to scoop it out and eat it yes exactly so mm, that was good so i'm almost done with mine already yeah me too mm-hmm Yeah, that was good. That was good. Julia, that was amazing. Thank you. Now, I can't wait to try the Thai bananas and see how they are. We may not be able to do the taste test. Tony's getting ready to go out of town, so the timing may not work out. But we'll definitely try it and report back on what we thought about it. Absolutely. Well, you try them, and
1: then I try it separately, and we can then record what our reactions were.
2: Okay. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good idea. So starting from the top here, the Coca-Cola Starlight, I don't need to buy again.
1: Not going to buy again. I'll drink them just because they're in my fridge and I paid for them. So there you go.
2: Yep. A red dragon fruit, I probably would not buy again.
1: And, and Do you know how much they cost at our local grocery store? I don't. Six and a half dollars.
2: Then I would definitely not buy again. Now this
1: yellow one, that's the that's one I'll buy splurge. that all day long. That's a splurge. And we need to look that up. Maybe Julia will educate us over in our Discord channel as to what the difference of the two were.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Julia, thanks again. We finally did a healthy taste buds. If anybody else has any suggestions and maybe some exotic fruit, now that we're going to get all healthy and everything, let us know. We'll see if we can track it down. Hey, I've already got another one. So I got
1: another one coming our way. So like I said, Rebecca's boyfriend said, have y'all tried this? I said, no. So I got to go search that one down and we'll get that one on here. I forget what it's called, but I'm going to find it.
2: Well, did y'all back the 51st State Ultimate Edition for Portal Games? No? Well, it's too late now. You missed it. We told you. We told you you need to go back it, but you probably... (laughs) Y'all, listen to us. We know what we're talking about. We talk about how good some of these games are. You, you uh, we're not just blowing smoke or hot air or sunshine. I don't know what we're blowing, Tony. There's something being blown up, something somewhere. So I'm not blowing anything anywhere, I tell you okay. right Okay. Fifty first state Ultimate edition has closed, but uh, hopefully you got into that. But you know what? You could still pre-order Gutenberg. Gutenberg, that hot game at Essen last year that I cannot wait to check out. You know, you don't want to miss. Wrath of the Lighthouse, the new expansion for Empires of the North. That's not coming out till September, y'all. But I'm already excited about it because I absolutely love that game since it's September and Gen Con is in August. Uh, Maybe they have some uh, early copies uh, there at Gen Con. I really hope they do. I tell you, Portal Games just killing it right now. Can't wait to try out the new Detective Batman game. I mean, that's going to be coming out soon. You got that. You got Gutenberg. We got stuff coming out this spring that I can't wait to check out. To find out more, head over to shopportalgames.com.
1: All right. So the next game we're going to talk about is a game that is a reprint from Stonemaier Games. It's called Libertalia Winds of Galecrest by Paolo Mori. It's a re-implement from Libertalia, and this game is a card-driven game where you and your pirate animals are out looting the high seas, trying to figure out who, who can get the most plunder. Okay, who can get the most victory point.
2: So I didn't realize this. The designer is also the person that did Ethnos, Oh I really like. Oh, love Ethnos. Blitzkrieg, the two-player game Ooh. that I really enjoy. I like that Pandemic one Fall of Rome, which is one of my more uh, liked uh, Pandemic games. And this is not a re-release. This is a remake. It is Re- not oh, the I'm exact sorry. same version. Um, well, no, I'm it's sorry. a big deal because some of the mechanics have changed. Okay. Some of the cards have changed. So it is not just a reprint of what came out uh, about 10 years ago. It is It is a brand new edition. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I've never played the original. So
1: that's why I was thinking uh, it was a reprint. So I, you know, I did not realize that now for me, when we were playing this, this is one of those games that it's a very light game in my opinion, but it's fun. It was, it was, it was fun. It was, I I didn't see a lot of interaction with other players, but I enjoyed trying to come up with my strategies during your turn. You were, everybody at the table is going to select from six or more pirates who you want to go to the island. And when they go to that island, then they are going to either possibly have an event that occurs during the day or an event that occurs at the dusk, or maybe later after the round is over, an event will occur during the nighttime. Oh, and then there's the anchor phase. Don't forget the anchor phase. So all that's going on. And there's the strategy. These events that the pirates will do will determine, Hey, maybe I'll collect more loot. Maybe I will get to, um, kick somebody off the island. Maybe this will give me the ability to, oh, I don't know, Why use another special ability. In the day phase, you're going through there initiating the day event. The dusk phase, you're doing that, but you're also in each round collecting loot. Little chits, right, Marty? Is that what they are? Little We wouldn't say chits, would
2: you? No, they're really much? nice tiles. They used to be cardboard chits, but these are like Azul tiles.
1: And some of these tiles have Abilities tied to them that you can see at the bottom of the board. Everything's beautifully laid out on the board. I mean, it's right there. If you remember to do it. <clears throat> How many times did I yeah. forget?
2: So, so here's the thing is everybody has the same cards in their hand. There's somebody oh, that's going point. to randomly do- deal six cards. Everybody goes through their own deck and pulls the exact same cards and they have values on them. Then you secretly, at the same time, select a card, put it on the table, and then go on the, to the board in numerical order. One of the things they change is the tiebreaker of how you, how you go on the board. If two people play the exact same card, there's a reputation track on there. The higher you're on the reputation track, you'll break that tie. There's a benefit to being low on there because at the beginning of the round, you get money based where on your reputation. The lower the reputation, the more money you get. The higher, the less, but you'll end up breaking ties. Then you resolve, like you said, day phase. Lowest number to highest number. Then you go to the dusk. You resolve from the highest to the lowest, going down and picking up loot. And then those go right back onto your ship and you continue on. It plays over three rounds. Uh, Every round has a certain number of days that you're going to play. And then at the end, you're trying to uh, collect victory points. Now, a lot of people may be wondering, what's the big difference between this and the other one? There are more cards that were added. Some of the cards were tweaked. The reputation track. Is something that's brand new, which I like way better than what the original was. It's a lot more straightforward. The loot tokens, there's like a calm side of the board, which they're not as bad. But then the flip side of the board has it where the loot tokens do a lot more bad things to you. And then there's actually these tiles, which you can do a combination of the calm and the other uh, side. If you want, so the variability is way out there. Bigger deck of cards means there's also more variability uh, in the gameplay too. So that's the big difference between the two. It is one of those games that you play with friends, you play cards, you resolve, you talk, you have fun, kind of light, plays one to six players in about one hour, and I think it's one of those that stays on the table just the right amount of time, and then you move on to something else. Did you enjoy it? I did. I had played the game before. Um, it's one of those that, I think you, if you had the right group of players, I think it's one of those that, because... Uh, you know, hey, I'm going to attack you. Hey, I can get one of rid of one of your guys off the ship. You know, you got a nice mm. little combo over there at that guy. Get that guy out of here, sort of deal. So you could do like little things like that. Uh, I do love the fact that everybody has the exact same cards. I think that's really interesting in the, in this style of game. But what about you?
1: Well, on the other side of it, sometimes you'll carry c- characters over because of something that may happen. Like mm. some may come back in the hand, so you may have more characters.
2: Well, you always have extra cards in your hand. So you're dealt six cards, oh, but your true. first voyage is only is it three or four four, day, four days. Yeah. So you have two extra yeah. cards. Then you're dealt another six. So at that point, you know six cards they have, but they kept also two from the previous round. So the hands do start varying from round to round or voyage to voyage. And I think
1: that's a key point. Did I enjoy it? I did. I enjoyed it. I mean, like I said, this is a game that I think
2: I would play definitely with Donna um, because of how light it is. Which also, they did add a two-player way to play this game too. Oh, cool. Uh, So if you and Donna want to play, there is a two-player version. But I do think the more fun is to have, you know, four and five people sitting around the table playing.
1: Oh, I I agree. I think you because you can have more potential interaction from what cars there are i mean there can be periods where you don't have any interaction but yes libertalia i'm glad i got to play it definitely a lighter game for us but it's hey it was fun it's a good icebreaker at a convention
2: yeah it was a really it's a solid game for the conventions and if you can't get a copy of the original or you played it before and it's hard to find it's back out there again the art has also changed but art is subjective. There's going to be some people that like the more realistic piratey art of the original. Some people are going to like the more, is it an- anamorphic? Is it where? Sure. It's where <laughs> all the pirates are animals. Okay, so it's a little more colorful and bright. Subjective, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change my opinion on the game. There's just going to be, you have a preference of one art over the other. So that is Libertalia. Winds of Galecrest from Stonemeyer Games. Uh, that's going to be available uh, very soon. Classic game redone. If you're interested, you can go check it out. We always love playing games from local designers. And one of the bigger ones here in North Carolina, Tony, is a designer named Matt Wolf, who's up in the uh, Triangle area. And he just released a game with Spielworks called Squaring Circleville. Spielworks sent this game. We want to check it out because we do like to support uh, local designers. And this is one of those games, Tony, that I think that if you were at a convention like we were, and we had it sitting out on the table, you would look at it and it's not one of those things that's really going to catch your eye. The name is one of those. It's like, I'm not sure what the goal of this game is. And you're looking at the board and there's a bunch of wooden pieces on it. And it's like, it looks like a standard Euro. However, Once you get into the game, I realized, no, this is not the typical type of Euro that you and I have been been playing over the past year or so. It actually has a really unique feel to it that I haven't uh, experienced in quite a while with the Euro game.
1: And what experience is that? Don't bury the lead.
2: Tell us what it is. The whole goal of this game is what? Get victory points. Oh, I'm shocked. I cannot believe it. But it's the way you get victory points that feels different in that. How many times have we said on this show, well, in this Euro game, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna take these actions, you're gonna collect these resources, you're gonna take these resources, you're gonna buy this. That thing that you buy is gonna be able to generate resources. It didn't even hit me till the game was over, is there are no resources. There's nothing to track, there's nothing to buy. You're literally just taking actions. On your turn with the whole goal of, and this is what makes sense once you understand the history, you're trying to square Circleville. There's actually a city in Ohio that's called Circleville, Mm -hmm. and it was made of concentric circular roads and everything, and the locals were like tired of this type of the the land being laid out that way because it's very confusing. It was funny. We were playing with a guy from NC State who said, It's like Harrelson Hall. (laughs) We had had a building on NC State campus that was round. It was horrible, where the rooms were basically wedges, and you would get lost because as you walked around, you wouldn't know exactly where you were in the building. So imagine an entire town like that. Mm -hmm. So they decided instead, all right, we need to get rid of round or circular streets. Let's replace those with regular square blocks. And that, Tony, that's kind of what you're doing in this game is changing the map and converting circular roads and everything just to regular square blocks. While you're
1: doing that, you've got to figure out, okay, how am I the better architect than anybody? Mm. So how is this fun? How is squaring up a city any fun? I agree. It's not. (laughs) How, How is this game fun? It's not. (laughs) No, I did not say that. I could, but I'm not. I'm not going to say this game is not fun. This game is one where you're sitting there and you have to be carefully. So your favorite part is, is it a Rondale?
2: Yes. I was saving one of the best things for last. I love games with Rondales. That's why Stefan Feld's game Trajan is one of my all-time favorite games. For some reason, I love circular Action selection pass where you're moving around a circle and taking actions, but there is enough of a twist in this game to maybe it, make it even different than other Rondell games I've played.
1: Right. So I mean, on your turn, you're putting your engineer, and I forget was it an architect or an engineer, whatever they called the meeple that you're moving. It wasn't the professor. It may have been the professor. I don't know. Either way, I'm moving my meeple on this Rondell, and it gives me the ability to take. Two actions. Now, these actions are interesting. This is what what intrigued me, Marty, was these actions are based on color.
2: It's called an assistant. You move the assistant around the rondelle and the supervisor is out on the map itself. Oh,
1: he's the surveyor. He's a supervisor. Gotcha. There you go. As you move this assistant around, he is picking colors to allow you to take action. And your base colors give him the ability of, oh, I'm going to knock down some houses. I'm going to uh, deconstruct some roads.
2: You're basically either going to destroy houses, build houses, destroy roads, build roads. That's the only four actions you got. So the rondelle consists of four different colors. So red was destroy the roads. Right. Blue was build the roads. Orange one was destroy homes. And green was build. Right. Build buildings. So in each section, there's a certain number of cubes you had to allocate to destroy the roads in that section and build new roads and take down any houses that exist there. Once that area is completed, then you actually score that area. And at that point, Tony, it's like an area controller, area majority game. Whoever has more cubes there that contributed to be able to pull that project off of destroying roads, building roads, etc., gets the most victory points in that area. The person who triggered it uh, Gasly gets to put a new piece of map on this is really cool. You actually remove the pieces off the board and off to the side, there's new pieces of the map that go onto the board. And by the end, you've actually covered the entire circle map with a bunch of square grids. You've done it. You've squared Circleville. Once those new maps get on the board, you're going to be building some brand new buildings. You're going to be beautifying. And when you do that, That's one of the ways you move up on a victory point track for that particular quadrant where that happened. There's four different color quadrants in there. And again, that's going to give you some victory points at the end of the game. But the thing is, though, you didn't mention the other part of the rondelle.
1: I was trying to get there and then I screwed up and forgot what they were.
2: Well, then why don't you continue because you get to take a set. Not only do you land on a color with your meeple or your assistant and take an action. How do you do the other action?
1: There's these discs. And the color of the disc that's on top determines what color you get to activate so you're moving and you see a red pie shape on the rondelle and another color of the disc those are the ones you got to do so you need to be thinking through that hey I need to destroy some roads but I want to also build some houses so meanwhile you've got to plan all that out you're um see now I got professor stuck in my head see what assistant. I did in my son? no I'm talking about the supervisor the supervisor's controlling where you're doing it so you can move the supervisor on your turn during an action. There's a lot of freedom here.
2: <laughs> you mean the supervisor's on the on the map. You mat. need to move him from space to space on the map to be able to do the work that the assistant just hey, the assistant said we need to destroy some roads. Wherever the supervisor is is where those roads are destroyed. But before or after you take that action, you can move to an adjacent location to be able to do that.
1: But I don't know if if we were taught correctly, because even if you can finish constructing those roads and you fin- and you still have some leftover cubes, you can now move them right in the
2: middle of your turn. We were doing that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, now, e- exactly. So there's a lot of freedom in movement. But what was crazy, Tony, is the freedom opens up even more in that if you finish the, a quadrant of the board and all, all the quadrant of that map is one color, that's considered one space. So before anything's down in there, you're moving between smaller spaces in the circle map. Mm -hmm. But once you can finish a quadrant, all matching colors, tiles, is considered one huge space. So now you could jump across the city even quicker than what you could before.
1: Right. When you're done with your turn, you remove that disc from the pile and you place it on the appropriate color on your card. What does that have to do with anything? Well, guess what? When you land on that color, you've now unlocked a new action for that color of either beautifying or possibly, oh, I don't know, getting tiles for in-game scoring. Very important act that you will be doing near the end.
2: You almost said aspect. <laughs> you almost said a very important aspect of this game. <laughs> it's an act. You got to do I this. I waiting for it. Yes. So
1: that is what I missed as we were playing in the initial start of this game.
2: It doesn't only unlock unlock new actions, which it does, it makes the existing action more powerful. So for example, right. the red action, when you destroy road, you're adding cubes to a board, but you can only add two cubes. As you increase the power of that red action, eventually when you take the red action, you might be able to add three cubes or mm. five cubes. So as you add more of those same color discs to that colored column, that action becomes more powerful. But as you said, also, you unlock additional optional abilities to adding equipment to your board, a passive ability. You can move your supervisor an additional number, additional space than what you did before. So there's all these different things to unlock also, as you were saying, as you add these disks. The stack of discs is only four, and they're pulled out of a bag randomly, so you never know how they're going to come out. And once a section of a pie's disc are gone, you reach into the bag, pull out four more, and replace the stack. So the combinations, as you go around, is going to be different every time you go around the circle of the rondelle.
1: So you're not locked in. So if you take a red action, it's not always about destroying rows, because as you move the disc up, then you can take these other actions. So where it was, oh, crap, now I'm going to land on a red pie shape with a red disc. All I'm going to do is destroy roads. No, you now have these other capabilities, and I think that's important. Now, something we did not do, and maybe that's something from a standpoint of in playing the game, you can wipe out all four colors of a row and take an additional action.
2: Wipe out? You mean you pull one disc from each column? That's a wipeout to me. And you out, get I mean. take yeah. additional action. Yeah, yes. I wipe
1: out that entire row. Gone.
2: The rows may be different heights. You just take the top disc of each column because it's not. They may not be on the same row because they not might not all be all the same height.
1: Right. So you take it from the bottom and they all slide down one. It's the same thing.
2: Well, you take it from the top.
1: Doesn't oh, matter. I see what
2: you're saying. Never mind. What do you mean? Never mind.
1: Okay, fine, fine. Anyway, that's where this game.
2: Did not click for me at the beginning. Oh, why is that? I just, I don't know. Oh, because you did. Oh, you didn't think about it. Well, it's one of those things we've thought, why would you ever do this? But uh, No, no I'm I talking was, about
1: uh, the, the how it's very important to put those discs on the board.
2: That, oh, oh, know. I see. Well, yeah. yeah, because unlocking the... Here's the thing. Eventually, once you start getting a bunch of pieces of map on the board, there's no need to destroy roads anymore. So what are you going to do with the red action? Where That's where those optional abilities come into play when you have to resolve a red action. And I'll also like the scoring mechanism too. As you put uh, pieces of map on the board, uh, you are also uh, grab a, basically it's a free action token that you can use to spend take a free action. When you do, you can actually put that on your player board to represent one of those color discs to make that a more powerful color whenever you take it. But it also triggers the end of the game because as you fill those in, you got a certain number that you're going to pull away off a track. And once you pull the last one off the track, that triggers the game end right there.
1: Complete a section of Circleville, go get this way of tracking the end of the game. And then if it happens to be in a certain area on the board, then you're going to be placing how to get in victory points into a certain Mm -hmm. color, which you got to have on the fifth row of a of either red or green or orange or um, blue so that you can then take one of those and those have all going to match. I know it sounds really confusing, complex, probably because we're talking about it, but overall, it's not that bad. It was very straightforward.
2: Yeah, and so the, the other way that you score the points is the game's broken up into four quadrants and as you have squared a certain quadrant like the green quadrant in the upper left, When you start beautifying that new quadrant, when you start adding buildings, because you're contributing to that green quadrant, each time you do, you move a tracker on that track for that particular quadrant. And at the very end of the game, if you're the highest on that track, you score more victory points than anybody else on that track. So now everybody is trying to go around the map and trying to contribute to each of the quadrants to try to push their cube up that track to score points at the game. So there's in-game scoring tiles that you can grab. You're getting those points at the end of the game by how much you affected each quadrant. Uh, as you play the game, it's area majority. As quadrants are resolved, uh, did you have enough cubes in there? Did you get points for having cubes in there, etc. So there's like several phases or f- ways to get to get victory points, and you probably have to do a little bit of all of them <laughs> in order to eventually win. So would you say this is a dry Euro? Can you give me your definition of, of dry? Like, is the theme dry or?
1: It's just do this action, do that action. Your turn. I don't want to say there was no interaction because there was a lot of interaction in this game. How so? Because of the area majority. I've got to see where your pieces are strategically on the Rondale. To see if you're going to be able to do some development in an area where I may have just put some cubes down. mm I'm definitely watching the other players and what their potential moves are. Me moving on that Rondale can determine where you might land because you can only move up to two open spaces. You, you If someone's in front of you, that does not count as an open, but you can no, move no more than two open spaces. Empty spaces. Two empty spaces, right. How's that different than open?
2: I just want to make sure people understood. Empty means there's nothing there as opposed to open or available Where I mean- So you can always land in a space where somebody Mm -hmm. is and take an action. And actually, I'm glad you brought that up because to me, I was never limited really on what I could do on the Rondale. I can move to empty spaces. But if the spaces in front of me are occupied by other people, I can stop in an empty space or a space occupied by somebody else. So I could stop in the next space, the space after that, which already has some space The space after that is empty. I could stop there or move one more space, which is empty and potentially stop there. But Tony, it seems like there were a couple of times where I was in a bad position because I was at the front of the pack. Mm -hmm. I couldn't leapfrog anybody else. So I only had two open spaces, but guaranteed by my next turn, people will have passed me by that point. Then I can start have more options on my turn to be able to leapfrog and and move more spaces than what I normally could.
1: And maybe I was giving that too much thought because I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, if Marty moves here, Marty moves there, that's going to open up this space and gives me the ability to get to this disc. I need this disc and this disc for what I want to do. Right. So is it dry in the fact of a constant repeating action? You know, like, you know, you're just like you said at the beginning, it's going to be collect resources, turn on the engine, let the engine spew out a bunch of victory points. Did you feel like there was a lot of interaction? Did you feel like you had a lot of strategy? Did you feel like you were actually playing, not against yourself, but playing against the other players? That to me is not a dry game.
2: Yeah, 100% I did. And again, remember, there's no resources in this game. Well, I'm saying the dry dry games
1: are, oh, I'm going to collect resources, turn on my engine and spew it out, regardless of what you're doing.
2: Well, here's the thing is, not all games like that I feel are dry. There are some very good games that have to do with collecting resources and turning my engine on. I was just impressed that this wasn't exactly like that. Mm -hmm. I like clever action selection mechanisms, and this to me is very clever. So I enjoyed the thinkiness of where exactly am I going to move? I enjoy looking around the board and seeing how many spots can I at least get in so when that... Spaces developed, I'm at least part of that spot. Maybe I don't have majority, but at least I'm collecting a few victory points on every space I potentially can. I didn't do that great at it, but that was kind of what my goal was. For me, I was
1: very, I saw the rush to get victory points at the end and making sure I'd be able to claim. This is one aspect of this game that I thought was pretty darn important. And I think it kind of washed over at the beginning is. You have to get to the top layer in order to claim the tiles that give you additional victory points at the end of the game.
2: Top layer, you mean you have to get one column all the way to the top row?
1: Of that color, you can't claim, he's got to activate that red color if it's in the fifth spot. I'm looking around, let's say I fill out a pie shape here or whatever in the end, and I'm going to place that one victory point counter. I'm looking around the board and I'm saying, oh, well, Marty's got a bunch of cubes sitting next to gold houses. And I see, oh, look, Mark's over there. He's got a bunch of parks. These victory point counters, the one I just pulled is for, oh, you get additional points for every home that you've got a cube set next to a gold house. Right. Look at Marty's board over there. Hmm. His slot doesn't have the fifth row in red. I should make sure that I
2: put it there so he can't claim it. No, I can claim it. It's just I don't get the two points for it. You can claim anyone one if your color's matched, you got two additional points.
1: Okay, I missed that rule. I thought you could not claim it unless, because that's the top action.
2: Let's say I fill out my red column. Mm-hmm. When I take a red action, I can optionally take one of those in-game victory point conditions off the board. If I happen to pull one that's in the red zone, I get two points, but I can pull them from any color zone. So I made it harder on myself. Yeah, you did. You you just didn't capture that at all. You thought you can if you activated the red ab- ability to claim a victory point tile. If you thought you could only take from the red section, I blame the teacher. How about that? Okay. If Bird's listening, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I got it. You just get two points if you happen to claim from the same spot. Which is why when uh you could all you get to place the victory point tiles too. So I always try to place them the ones that I would wanted. And the section I thought I was Mike going to, in the color, I thought I was Mike going to be able to activate the claimant.
1: The only other thing I, I thought for personally was that I felt the game, and yeah, y'all were saying, well, he needs to go, but I was like, this game felt like it stayed on the table a little long for me. Okay. Maybe it was me. Maybe I'm expecting this big ramp up, but I was like, okay, how are we going to get to the end? It seemed out there, distant, far stretched, far removed, but we got there. So that was good.
2: Well, I thought the game sped up. And I said this before too, there are a lot of games where the first couple rounds are very fast, but as the game progresses, maybe you have more options and your turns slow down. To me, I felt as the map was filled in and the fact that you could travel around the map so quick to get stuff done, the game actually sped up. So for me, the time on the table and the suggested time is 90 to 120 minutes. I think that's very fair with the number of players when we have uh, three or four players. I think it was just right. I think at the point where the game was over, I think I had had everything I felt I wanted to get out of the game at that point. So for me, the length was fine. There are games where I feel like, boy, that ended too quick. I was not ready for it to end. There are games it's like, man, that's that's sitting there right in the sweet spot. And of course, there have been many games I played like this is just taking too long. I didn't feel it was that one.
1: Okay, and like I said, it was it was fine. And up to a certain point, and then maybe it was just from the standpoint. Maybe it was. Maybe I needed to leave. I needed to go, and I was like, "Okay, why is this? Why are we not coming to the end?" Uh, We also lost count. That is one thing that I thought that we needed to do better. We were losing count of who flipped over and doing the actions to claim the little bonus token and place the victory point token in the board. And I think that also. But we were able to retcon that. But we don't know who would have gotten it. There's these little processes that you need to make sure. And that's Mm. just learning to, as you're playing, you just got to sit down, think through it. So, ultimate thing for me is, even though I felt it was a little long for me, I would definitely play it again. Because now that this one rule's been explained to me, that's important. Also, some of the strategy behind it. I would like to try different strategies with this game. The Rondell will always bring me back to this because that is the brain tease for me. I really enjoyed this at, um, concept, how it would be on the board, what I needed to do, how I was going to activate, how I was going to pull all those, uh, little round circles onto my board and what it would do to open up and what Marty did to mess me up. And then I would have to adjust. So I'll play it anytime. Put it on there, Matt. It's not, it's not as good as Wombat Rescue with, no, I'm kidding. Wombat Rescue, little square poop. I'm just teasing you, Matt. This was a, a very solid, enjoyable game.
2: Oh, it's it was definitely a surprise for me. I was really, really enjoying my time playing this game. And again, it's once it kind of hit me at the end, it's like, oh, wait a minute. We're not collecting or tracking resources. I guess because all the Euro games we've been playing recently, it is a constant resource management game. And I was ready for something that was a little different. This was a little different. You add in the whole Rondell thing. And that puts it even more over for me. So here's the thing: if y'all saw this game and saw the title "Squaring Circleville," and you're just like, "What? What the heck?" or or maybe saw the box or saw it on the table and thought, "Yeah, I don't know." To me, Tony, I think if I'd heard "Squaring Circleville," I honestly thought it would have been a polynomial type game, like a tile laying sort of thing. For some reason, because you know that's very popular now. If, I, if without seeing the game, if I just heard that name. I would have thought it had to do with geometric shapes and, and something like that, but it's nothing like that at all. Maybe about square dancing? Yeah, <laughs> it could be. So Squaring Circleville, published by Spillworks and designer Matt Wolf. For me, it stayed on the table at the right time. Anything with the rondelle, if it's clever, I'm going to like it. Lots of different ways to score the game. And like I said, to me, the game kind of sped up as you went. I think the turns got quicker as they went along. So that case i like the momentum the game had and uh, i can't wait to play it again as we promised earlier i am excited nay what's what's a bigger word than excited what, what's what's grander than excited very
4: excited ecstatic
2: ecstatic <laughs> to have rob and christina from blue peg pink peg on the show to do I believe for the first time in nine (gasps) years, a review with, is this, have y'all ever been on our show doing an actual review?
3: No. I don't
4: think we've done a review on your show. Yeah.
3: How is that possible? Well, this is
2: very exciting for everybody. Maybe for a few people. It's it's probably exciting for everybody to be able to hear somebody besides me and Tony. So that's always a good thing.
4: (laughs) And we're not going to talk about lawnmowers at all.
2: Not once. Unless you want to. I am ready. I did mow the yard this past weekend.
4: Somehow we're going to do it.
2: <laughs> I've had my first mowing. Um, so I got to see you guys and hang out with you guys at Tantrum Con, uh, yep. which we had talked about earlier. And uh, we got to do a lot of different things. And one of the things that we got to do was play this new game that uh, was sent to us from Gelforce Force 9 called Pathfinder Level 20. This is by designer Dylan Bertolo. It plays uh, two to six players, for roughly 20 to 30 <laughs> minutes long. And before we started the game, I asked have either of y'all played the Pathfinder RPG?
3: Uh, you have, Rob. How yes, you? I have. I've
4: played the Pathfinder RPG. I've played the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. I played the Pathfinder Computer Game. I like Pathfinder.
2: <laughs> wow. I've probably played more sessions of Pathfinder RPG than I have D&D because my kids, my sons, are way more into Pathfinder than they are D&D. So there's way more Pathfinder books around here.
4: So why? Why do they like Pathfinder more than they like Dungeons & Dragons? I'm just curious. Well,
2: Rob, I am glad you asked that question. (laughs) Uh, Because when they were first getting into RPGs many years ago, uh, D&D 4th Edition was out, which was not a very popular edition at all. They loved D&D 3.5. So when they 4th came out... They found Pathfinder because Pathfinder was built off the 3.5 rule set. Mm-hmm. So since they love that so much, they kind of really zoned in to that one. Now, since then, D&D 5.0 has come out, fixed a lot of the issues with 4.0, but they still have a huge passion for Pathfinder since they've played so many years. So it goes back to the fact is they love D&D 3.5. And when that was taken from them, they found a substitute.
4: I played a lot of, of D&D 3.0, 3.5. 4, I just kind of checked out. I don't think it was anything to do with the, the the system itself. I think it was just, it was an age thing. Like I was leaving a, a college or something, I didn't have time to play it. And then got back into 5, and I have played Pathfinder, and it does remind me of 3.5.
2: I like them both. Yeah, they're both very good systems. So the this game is based in the Pathfinder universe. But unlike a lot of RPG-themed games, you aren't playing as the hero in this game, actually.
3: No, you're actually playing as the... What were we, we the, were, the kobolds. Kobolds. Right? I liked that take on it, that it was a little twist of like what we were... Up against, and basically, the kobolds were trying to fend off their lair.
4: I'm always rooting for the underdog, right? Like, I like a game that kind of puts it on its head and is like, you know what? Now you're the goblin, you're the kobold, you're trying to get away from the adventures. I liked that twist.
2: Yeah, I like the theme of this in that there's an adventurer coming into the kobold dungeon. He just needs to get a couple kills to hit level 20. So basically, he's grinding kills at this point. He just wants to whack a few things, get some XP, get to level 20, and get out of there. We're playing as the kobolds. It's like, uh, I prefer not to die at this hero's end of a sword. So our goal is we're going to try to stay away from you. And uh, we're going to try to kind of embarrass you. We want to reduce your valor to where you just get so fed up with us. You say, forget it. I'm just leaving the dungeon. I'm going to go some other place.
3: Yeah. I, I liked how we had different options on little things that we could set up throughout the, the layer. Uh, you could drop stalactites on the adventures. You could drop moss. Yeah. I think was one of them. I think it was. Moss, and I liked how
4: thematically that yeah. worked. Like, so they're they're coming up on you, and then you drop a, a a stalactite on them. Oh, it pauses them. Or you throw some moss. They go over. They go over it. They slip goes in the direction they were going. And then there was like a there was a tunnel
2: too, or something, right? Like couldn't you throw a tunnel and disappear? Yeah. So on the board, this is a grid uh, map, and at the beginning of the game, you have these junk tokens that are set up around the board. And on your kobolds' turn, you have two movement points. And you can use those movement points to go any direction, including diagonal. Well you can also use one of those movement points to pick up one of those junk tiles that you're standing on. There's a deck of cards. Uh, you're mm-hmm. gonna, you could draw from that car, uh from that deck and it could have stalactites, it could have moss. The one that kind of made me fun- uh, made me laugh was the poison food. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Where they were puking and basically they lost a turn because <laughs> <laughs> they right. were trying to recover from being sick. Or- so each of us were controlling a cobalt. And we can move two spaces. So we're trying to stay away from the adventurer. We're trying to pick up these junk tokens. You also had what's called ferocity tokens that you mm. could spend to move extra movements. Mm-hmm. So you could also, when you pick up a junk token, just get two extra ferocity tokens also in case you needed those instead of the stalactite and moss, etc. But after everybody had moved, then the adventurer is going to move. And the adventurer has four action points. And what was interesting was we know exactly where the venturer is going to go. He had rules. He or she had rules. There's actually two adventurers. Depending on the number of players, you could have one or two adventurers on Mm -hmm. the board. We play with four players, so just one adventurer was on the board. And he can move four movement points, but his move is very much dictated where he's going to go. He's going to go after the closest closest kobold, and he can move four spaces to try to get there, which means because you know that, Mm -hmm. you have these little items that you could probably drop along the path that you know he's going to take. And if he hits the stalactite or the moss and runs into a wall, he loses one of his valor.
3: Well, and the other fun thing, too, is that we played with Harper. Harper joined us in our adventure of this game. Harper being our daughter. Yeah, and um, she wanted to... because again, you're trying to stay away from the adventures, right? But she was always like wanting to get right in there, right up close to him. And I think it's because she had those cards in her hands that she could play, knowing that she could easily escape or dig a tunnel or whatever. But she was like up in the business of trying to fault these adventures, which was fun to see.
2: And you kind of had to. So if you has one of those stalactites to use it, you would have to be beside them and play that card and it drops on top of them mm-hmm. and, they, and they lose a valor. How do you win this game? How do you win or lose this game? Well, you lose if the adventurer comes up to you and actually gets on your space. Boom, you're out. You have mm-hmm. no life points. He got you. There's one part of his XP to level up. Huh. If you're the only kobold left after he moves, you actually win the game. Or if you remove all of the adventurer's valor tokens, The person who removed the last token won. Mm
3: -hmm. And that that made for an interesting dynamic because a lot of us were just running, right, from the adventurer. We weren't doing anything. It was just like, run away. And then some of us were dropping a lot of those traps that were reducing the adventurer's valor. And so it was almost like... That balance of like, do you risk getting in there and getting in the action, or do you foresee that it's gonna be kind of a king of the hill scenario and you just wanna stay alive as long as possible? Now it's
4: tricky though. Like, so you see them you, you see them coming, you you know where the the paladin, I remember silo was one of the paladins and pathfinder. I think I'm saying her name right. So you see where she's coming, you see where, where she's coming to go, and, and you're dropping stuff down, but then something might happen after you go where they go in a different direction mm-hmm. or something. Something might happen, and you can use somebody else's you know poison food or something of that or, or moss in a way where they dropped it but you were the person that they were going after at the time and that got their last valor point and so you get the win right because you're the one who got the, even though someone else dropped it you were the one to you know kite them is a, is a term that we used in uh, world of warcraft where we got the big bad to kind of chase you around the board you were the one who got them to to go into that trap and i thought that was interesting that wasn't something that was apparent to me when we first started playing but then after i'm like oh wait a minute like i could drop this and somebody else could benefit off
2: of it and also these junk tokens aren't replenished once everybody's claimed (laughs) them that's it so you don't get to get any more items or anything and so it's a kind of a ticking clock at that point because you Mm -hmm. might not have what you need to get away now it's funny that you mentioned world of warcraft because one of my issues of this game was this and this happened to me i was the one taking all the chances getting up beside (laughs) the adventurer and dropping stalactite and stuff. But the rules state the person who removes the last valor wins the game. In World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft, I call that kill stealing because <laughs> I felt I did all the work, but somebody else won the game. And I'm pretty sure we played
4: that right. We read that rule yep. multiple five times. times. We're yeah. like, well, it doesn't really not, doesn't clarify. I think that's how it works. Uh, So yeah, definitely kill stealing.
3: The one thing that I didn't like, which didn't happen in the times we played, would be if you got knocked out really early in the game, Mm. and then you just sit there, watch everybody else play.
2: But see, Tony loves that, because if he's not enjoying a game, player elimination means that he can pull out his Switch and play the Switch while everybody else plays. Does Tony like board games? (laughs) That is so funny that you say that, because- on game nights he will be like over there just grumpy Tony and all of us ask why are you even here why are you even playing this if you're not enjoying it it's like what well, hanging out with y'all I guess it's like oh <laughs> god
4: <laughs> yeah i don't know how i feel about player elimination luckily for this game the game doesn't last too long yeah. like it's it's got right. a kind of quick play time so if you're eliminated you can sit there you can, you know make fun of everybody else while they're playing like it's like you're not gonna be sitting there for too long
2: but typically i don't like those kind of games now i, I will say that if i had like really young kids and i kind of want to introduce them to the world of pathfinder i think this is cute the idea mm-hmm. of playing as a kobold I think for a young kid of learning how hey you need to position yourself, let's figure out exactly where the venture is going to go this turn and make sure to position yourself. So, I do think if you had like if if my kids were a lot younger just getting into Pathfinder, I would throw this on the table in front of them because they think it would be a cute fun game. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes you know, again, it plays two to six people. It's it's a small box game.
4: Small box game.
2: Yep. It's not a very expensive game. It's one of those you can just kind of throw in your bag and, and, and monkey around with. So that is Pathfinder level 20. It's coming out soon from Gale Force 9. I do like the idea that you can sit there and know exactly where adventure is going to go mm. and plan your move based on that. It's not random at all. And there was a couple times I couldn't ever get it to work. I was trying to get one of y'all. Uh, if I was between like the adventurer and the moss, I would try to get it to where they would hit the moss and slip and slide towards somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because there was this whole thing that, uh, as they were getting close to you, they had to spend a movement, uh, point to turn 90 degrees. We didn't mention it. They can't see behind themselves. So positioning was important.
3: Right.
4: If
2: you got behind them, they couldn't even see you.
4: I thought that was kind of strange too. Like I was, you know, five hexes away from him. And he's going to come at me, but Marty's right behind him. Like he's just like right behind him.
2: He's hiding. Are very sneaky. Yeah, very
4: are they sneaky. though? Like I don't know about that, but I don't. Know, I just thought that was kind of funny.
2: Before I I'll let you get out of here, not Rob. Earlier in the show, we did talk about I, I had a long apology to Tony about our our spades game and how about what a horrible partner. Uh, I was to him that night. And he's like, dude, you're just too hard on yourself. I was like, no, I'm not. I was horrible, Tony. I let you down, man. I underbid. I overbid. This whole sandbagging thing was just throwing me off my game.
3: Oh, I, I heard. I heard what happened, Marty. <laughs>
2: Oh, you did.
3: <laughs> I did hear what happened. And I I said I was a bad uh, trick-taking game player, but uh, maybe I should play with you and Tony. Wow. Wow.
4: Oh, wow. She came with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that is, you know what? I can't really talk trash after way, the way I just played, so I would just have to accept uh, that insult.
4: Marty, that was probably one of the best things that I did at tantrum con speaking of like a small box game deco cards like that was a lot of fun we talked about on our show about how Tony sat down he's like yeah I got some cards and he throws out this 2009 origins deck of cards I thought that was the best uh and I I just loved it I love you know spending an hour or two just hanging out playing cards with friends like I don't know I, that was the best for me. I didn't care who won won or lost that's a bit of a lie I, I wanted to win but you know I just I just had fun doing it
2: I told tony i said we got to make this a tradition dude if if you know if y'all keep coming to tantrum gone or if we're at gen con or something now that would be fun at gen con if if we were all there and travis was there and we go find a place you know as restaurant or something and we just play spades all night that would be a blast
3: you'll have to up your game (laughs) all right well
2: (laughs) i really really appreciate y'all sitting down and, and playing the game with me and it was really cool to have y'all on on the show and come uh, review a game. And with such enthusiasm, I'm not used to that from my co-hosts.
3: <laughs> well, how about, Marty, uh, we don't let another nine years go by before we <laughs> hang out on the airwaves. How about that?
4: <laughs> and you can, you can actually have us on for a deeper, bigger game, too. Not like a player <laughs> elimination done in 15 minutes, get out of my face, Rouse, this kind of game. <laughs> All
2: right, then. So that means at some point in time, we need to get together and play that big game. Bigger, deeper game or something Mm -hmm. like that, and that's funny. That's actually one of the things you and I were talking about. I said it's crazy. We're less than one state away from each other. I know. Why in the world would oh oh my gosh? What am I thinking? What am I thinking? We're actually going to see each other in just a few weeks.
3: Oh, K Town, at at Fun K Town. Yeah, Yeah. Fun K Town. That's right. It's in Knoxville.
2: Bring it. Bring a deck of cards. I don't know if Vanessa can hear me. She's not really into the whole deck of cards type type games, I don't think. But, we can uh, play we'll,
4: we'll, whatever Vanessa wants to play. <laughs>
2: well, here's the thing. Uh, we're going to probably be teaching a session of Arkham Horror 3rd Edition.
4: Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't know. That's a that's a deeper game, but I don't know if I'm signing up for that. <laughs> I think <laughs> we're teaching true. a game, too, but I don't we're remember do what we're teaching. We're going to do a
3: game of the hour, but I don't think we've landed on what it's... Oh. It's going to be a short, easy game to teach in, like... Ten to fifteen minutes that you can play, so yeah. it'll it will not be Arkham Horror.
2: <laughs> well, we're doing a game of the hour too, but uh, I said that Saturday night. If if people may not be interested because it is a time investment, I said we're going to throw it out there and and see if people want to do it. But anyway, so you and I going to hang out in, in a few weeks. That'll be a lot of fun, and we'll we'll play something maybe with a little more a little more meat to it or something like yeah. that. Not spoiled meat like this in this game. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That sounds like a good plan.
2: Full circle. I love it. Thank you guys so much for coming
3: on. Thanks, Marty. Thanks,
4: Marty.
2: See you soon, buddy.
1: Once again, I am joined by my lovely wife to talk about a game we recently played. Hey. Hey. Look at you. You're getting all Southern. I'm proud of you. <laughs> so we I've played- been here a
5: long time.
1: Yes, you have. A little bit of me rubbed off on you there, hasn't it? Yep. So, Colors of Paris. This is by Super Meeple, designed by Nicholas say Olivier, Oliviera? Is was that, that what you agreed on? What was it? What name? Oliveira. See, I can't ever say him. So I appreciate your efforts there. Plain and simple. This is a worker placement game where you are a master painter, a Van Gogh and Renoir a Monet. And you are trying to complete masterpieces by collecting Paint, mixing paint, and then painting a painting. Is that pretty much it? That pretty much sums it up. That's what you're doing. But how you are collecting the paint, mixing the paint, and improving your tools has probably one of the unique mechanics for worker placement. That it's it's a part that I enjoy, and that I call it the spinning wheel. Um, it's where and I kept saying Rondell, and you kept looking at me like well, Rondell. I was like, yeah, Rondell, and we got into that discussion. That was
5: a different game. That was the other game. That the, was the other game. Yeah, okay. not the fishing one. The other one that was like the fishing one. The fishing. The flower one. one. The flower. The garden. Yeah, had the garden and the flowers and the plants. Remember, you planted over on the left side.
1: That was a rolling right. That was three sisters. Oh yeah, that had the but Rondell. It had
5: the Rondell. Yeah, and that was at? the first time okay. I'd ever heard you use that word. That's
1: true. That's true. Okay, that was it three wasn't sisters. this
5: game that you were talking about the Rondell. It was that one.
1: Three sisters. Okay. I, I caught up with you. I know what we're talking about now. I pretty much explained it to you. Yeah, you did. I just wasn't paying attention. I know. Marty's used to that, too. So, you, on your turn, you place a worker in an action. Next player goes. They place theirs. You start out with three workers. You can eventually build up to six, which we found to be very six? different. Six? Yeah, you can get up to six. Wow. It was difficult to get get the I got to
5: four. One. You got to four.
1: I know. I don't see how you get to six. Because the first person to complete two masterpieces, the game ends. Or they're able to collect five black cubes. I don't know how there's anything there, but sure. Because where you mix all uh, the three, what are the secondary colors? Yes. You mix three secondaries, you collect a black cube. That ends the game. And whoever wins is... Determined by what? The most
5: victory points. Right. Like you haven't heard that before.
1: I know. So from your perspective, did you? what did you think of the game?
5: I liked it. I liked the mechanics of it. I liked the premise of it. Um, I didn't like that I lost. You got snarky. <laughs> got a little snarky. <laughs>
1: but you, you, what, what what stood out for you? What did you like about it?
5: Um, I just liked, I I like games like that, that are strategy and trying to figure out what the best way, uh, to get the victory points is, um, and that there's different mechanics to it and different, different ways to go about it. The first time we played it, I beat you. Oh, badly. Yeah, pretty badly. I I did not get snarky. Um, (laughs) you always lose the first time you teach a game. Um, Um, so I won that and I tried to change up my strategy this time. And you changed up your strategy this time too, and uh, I thought I was in it more than I was. So mm-hmm. you still beat me by what 10 points or so. so
1: which isn't really bad cuz there's the, the the big paintings can be 16 points, the easier paintings that only use the primary colors are worth 10 points. So you have to judge when you're painting, you know, is it do I need cause to paint one of the masterpieces? You have to have all the secondary colors, the the purples and the oranges and the greens, and you have to really plan on getting those paints. But I want to talk a little bit about the um, circular game board where we place our workers.
5: That was interesting. That was interesting.
1: And one of the things I liked about it was the fact that on the circular game board, at the end of a round, it spun. And that adjusted, you know, which items were available because depending on the number of players, certain ones are blocked every round. Yes. And also at the end of a round, all the, all your workers come back except for one that is on the lower board and it stands up. So you don't get them all back unless they were on the inner board. So you're, you got to plan for that too. Like when's that, is that thing going to spin? So I, I need to be planning ahead.
5: Well, and then there was also the option where you could place one of your workers on the, I don't know, spinning icon or whatever. And you could decide, was it going to move zero? Not at all. Mm -hmm. Um, It always moved one, um, but you could also move it two. So if somebody took that and you were planning to stay in one spot um, the next time around, you could get the shaft with that and, you know could blow up your plans, which happened to me.
1: And there's a lot of strategy in that.
5: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I liked about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I didn't like was in the center board, there was one where you could copy a worker who had not been used yet. You place your worker there and he could go copy anybody's worker. Right. As long as it had not been used. And it seems like that's one of the things that I know for me when I became the first player, because you have to claim the first player token, that's another action that you could take. You, you immediately like jumped on that because this guaranteed that you might, if you don't get the spot on the lower board, you might take it. And that helped with some of the strategy. That seemed like a predominant, everybody's going to take that spot. And only one, and only one worker can go in one spot at a time unless they're collecting white paints. So,
5: yeah. Well, so. some of them had two spots on it.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're right. Where the wheel is divided, you're the,
5: right. Some of, the, yeah, some of the spots allowed for two people to be there. Um actually the only thing I think I really didn't care for in the game was that the first player marker didn't move unless it got claimed on the board. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like that because like I had it at the beginning of the game cuz I started with it and you didn't take it. But then once you took it um it was very hard for me to get it back. Um so I was never first. You know, almost until the end of the game, I finally took it back at the end of the game. But um, I, I don't like that that doesn't move automatically. I mean, I think it should move automatically, but then that should be an option to, like, keep it or something mm-hmm. instead of, um, I don't know. That just kind of bothered me that, you know, you end up stuck without being first for a long time.
1: That's right. So it, sometimes you're like, I, am I wasting an action by doing this? But I got to get that first player. I've got to be able to control where my workers are going at the beginning and when to copy. But that's very, you're right. Some games have that. Some is very strategic. Here, I don't know. You know, I am kind of agree with you that it's kind of like if it had moved, would that have balanced it out? Maybe the next time we play, we'll we'll try that. We'll see how it works. Now, game designers design games with the rules and what they expect. Right. You know, and they've hopefully tested it. I'm sure they have. This came out in, I think it was 2019. But, you know, so I'm sure they've tested it out. Now, one thing I will say, the times I've played this, I've played it without the modules. I've played it with only one module, and I've played it with both modules. One module is you're a famous painter, a Monet, a Van Gogh, and each of these painters has a special ability.
5: Superhero power. There
1: you go. They got the superhero. Van Gogh could keep 16 paints on his palette. Everybody else can only do twelve and if you have over twelve you have to put the, the paints dry up and they have to go back. Or I think Monet, whenever he would paint, he or collect yellow pigment, he could put yellow he would be painting yellow. Those were the but I did the ones were the bonus actions where they made the white paint stand out. These I thought added a new depth to the game.
5: And you utilized that a lot better than I did, which is probably how you beat me so badly
1: it wasn't my strategy
5: that was your strategy Uh, to collect all the white things and then you got those um bonus cards and uh you were able to your strategy was to collect the black cubes each black cube was worth, worth six points um and mine was to paint my paintings as fast as i could um but i didn't do it fast enough for you not to have gotten so many black cubes
1: Right, uh, and it was a race, and that's what this game ends up near the it end.
5: Was, it, this one was much more of a race than the last time we've played.
1: I, I enjoyed playing it. I enjoyed playing with two. I think this would be a much better game with four.
5: could see that. Yeah, I think it would change things um, tremendously.
1: I, defi- I definitely think if you were to get this game, you need to do the modules. The superpowers and the white car- and the bonus cards are very important.
5: I we'll, think they. We'll uh, have to try it with uh, some other people now.
1: Yeah, and but I don't think it's a heavy game.
5: Oh no, no! I think it's easy to learn and um, easy to teach. So there's not a lot. Um, it's strategy, but there's not a lot of um, mechanics to it. There's not a lot of moving parts. There's not a lot of things to remember. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing to remember is which symbols meant what, mm-hmm. like the paintbrush. On the on the spinning circle, um, did not mean paint. It meant that you got to increase how many paints you could place, and I would forget that sometimes. So. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I understand, cause yeah, you could improve your tools, your palette, how many colors you could collect, and how much, how many squares you could paint. You're right, I agree. It was kind of like, well, wait a minute, what does this one mean to paint? You and it's to kinda, not difficult. It's oh.
5: just you know, I I just would forget sometimes.
1: Right. And then there was also the option, because when I got to, when you get to a certain level on one of your tools, you get another worker or you get victory points.
5: Yeah, that killed me too, because I forgot that that was even an option. We talked about it the first time we played, and it didn't get as a reminder the second time we played. And I forgot about it, and you just bulldozed your way up there, so you got that extra worker. You had the extra worker a long time before I did.
1: So wait a minute, let me understand this. I want to play this back a little bit. So I need to remind you of everything when we play a game?
5: Not everything. You didn't have to remind me of the mechanics of it, but you had to remind me of some of the rules and the intricacies (laughs) of the rules. Like, oh, don't forget, there's this little itty-bitty symbol on your Mm -hmm. board that when you get to it, either gives you six victory points or... An additional worker. In fact, when I finally got there, you were like, ooh, are you sure you want the worker and you don't want the six victory points? I'm like, is that an option? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes. So, see, I totally forgot about it.
1: Yeah. I'm sitting here looking at the back of the box, and it even says that. Colors of Paris, a racing game of development and timing.
5: Yes. Yeah. I, I thought the second time we played it, it was very much a race at the end.
1: Absolutely. So, any, which was any, fun. Yeah. Any, any last you beat thoughts? Me. I, I, fine. I beat you. Okay. Fine. I don't beat you often. All right. I, <laughs> so, any final thoughts on Colors of Paris?
5: I liked it. I'd like to play it with four. Uh,
1: I agree. This is not a game that I would put on the table with Marty, Bert, and Mark again. I played oh, it Oh, no. You
5: guys like the much more intense games. Right. I,
1: I find this. Now, there is another worker placement that I, with two people I didn't get out, I wanted to try, and that's Fresco, where we played a long time ago. Um, It's one of my favorite uh, worker placement games. I was going to try to compare it, but to be honest with you, when I was reading the rules of Fresco again, these are two completely different games, completely different games. So it was not, it's not even worth it because Fresco is not a race. This was definitely a race because it ramped up. So once again, Colors of Paris from Super Meeple and designed by
5: Nicholas de Oliveira. (laughs)
1: heard me on the show talk about the miniature market $10 bonus that you get for your birthday that's right they're going to say hey here's $10 we're going to shine it in front of you if you spend $50 or more and I did it they they hooked me all because I'm signed up on their site miniaturemarket.com get over there get to newsletter daily they're having some amazing sales they had a two 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 Tuesday sell recently where everything was twenty two dollars to celebrate february 22nd of 2022 that dropped out of nowhere i was on that site missed a couple of good games they sold out very quickly be sure to check it out at miniaturemarket.com
0: wait a minute do you hear that marty That sound evokes a great memory for me. And what is that? Okay. So, picture. Very rural Mississippi. Rural. (laughs) Okay. Like, even right now, there's no cell phone signal or internet. And you know that, right? I get, like, whenever I go to visit my parents, our phone calls are very limited because I have to go outside Tiptoe on one leg Hold the phone up in the air <laughs> So Picture 1970-something Okay Rural Mississippi Yeah Families hovered around a TV It's black and white There's the rabbit ear antenna Covered in tinfoil <laughs> People think that's a myth No, that was our TV And we had to position it just right To get a fuzzy picture of Doctor Who <laughs>
2: so you did watch doctor who as a kid
0: we watched as many as we could get the antenna the aluminum foil covered antenna to cooperate and see a fuzzy picture which yeah wh- we did
2: which doctor was that
0: i honestly can't was it the remember one with the, it has to be the one, the one with, with the, the scarf,
2: scarf which yes. was the fourth yes. doctor yes. which yes. i think was the one that i also did you watch it on pbs public broadcasting
0: no, that was it. That was the channel we were trying to get, because I've told you It many was public times, broadcasting. Growing up, we could only get two channels, and that was CBS and ABC, and we only got those clearly. So PBS was on a clear night with cooperating aluminum foil-covered antenna.
2: I had no clue you watched <laughs> Doctor Who as a Kid.
0: I thought I told you that. No, I thought. Well, we didn't see a lot. Sure. We watched as much
2: as we could. So you liked it. and I loved it. You know, Doctor Who as a kid didn't grab me as much. I don't know why. It was, I think it was because it just looked, even to me, so the sets and everything were so <laughs> bad.
0: <laughs> it was very mysterious to me because it was very... Fuzzy and static and elusive.
2: <laughs> and that's not because it of the, the like show. It was almost like Doctor <laughs>
0: Who with us trying to position the antenna just right. Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Oh, man, we got to put new aluminum foil on it.
2: <laughs> oh, and by the way, the sound that you heard at the beginning was our TARDIS cookie jar. Yes. That uh, we purchased. <laughs> so
0: when you asked me if I would do this with you, I went and had to... I knew where this was, so I had to go and get it, but the batteries were dead. So, y'all, I felt like a grand engineer or a mechanical engineer with my little bitty screwdriver undoing it and finding the little button batteries and getting them in there. I was trying to do it secretive. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and you did I was sitting here trying to get all the mics and everything set up and all of a sudden I heard that sound of, of the targets coming in. I said, "Oh, you're prepping for this little segment that we're going to do about a game that we got to play uh, called Don't Blink, uh which is from Gal Force 9." And let me tell you the love for doctor
0: who was rekindled i forgot about doctor who mm. and i think the both of us heard that there was a reboot or whatever a few years ago and uh, we, well, well several years uh, ago yeah like uh mid
2: 2000s or something like that we weren't
0: watching it it no. was the boys like they they even they asked us about it or either we walked in when it was on or something and we we loved it all over again
2: and what's funny is I didn't even start watching till after y'all watching it. Now this was during the tenth Doctor, which I believe was David Tennant. I believe that's when y'all started watching.
0: Yeah, well, I, at the end of it, I caught the very end. I, it was mostly with Matt Smith.
2: Well, the eleventh Doctor, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so y'all watching, I kept going in there. It's like Doctor Who, really, it's back. And I was like, oh wow, this is this is better than what I remember because uh, Doctor Tennant's. Was An extremely popular series when he was in it then, and yeah. so, so was Matt Smith.
0: Yeah, so we watched it with Matt Smith. Yeah, so the story Did I say, Dr. Tim, Did there it? was a storyline of Amy Pond and Rory.
2: Yeah, from and we the 11th, Doctor.
0: loved them.
2: It's still one of the best uh story arcs on TV I ever remember.
0: We, y'all, y'all need to go watch it. We loved them. So when we opened up this box, well, first of all, let me back up. Don't Blink is because of The Weeping
2: Angels. Which premiered uh, with David Tennant. Do you remember that? There was an episode called Blink yes, where Weeping Angels yeah. were introduced. Yes. But they were a lot in the 11th Doctor yes. series with Matt Smith. And they're a creepy villain. Okay. Uh, I'm glad you uh, One of the creepiest on TV. So let me ask you this. What would you rank as the number one a creepy villain on TV. I have a feeling who I think you'll say.
0: Well, well. first of all, number one creepy villain for me that still gives me TV. nightmares. On TV. I know, but I just got to tell everybody because okay. I already started it. It's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> the man gives me nightmares. I don't want to see a kid trick-or-treating Halloween as him. I do not want to see him. He Yo, horrified me. She ain't I kidding.
2: kidding. She ain't kidding. Ain't if kidding. Freddy Krueger comes on anything, she will not watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, again. if
0: if ever there's a glimpse of him even in a comedic way i'm gonna have a nightmare that night
2: for real no she will
0: so on tv yes creepiest creepiest i can't remember what they were called but it was those freaky smiling dudes from buffy uh, the, the s- vampire
2: the slayer. smiling gentleman yeah from hush they're not gentlemen <laughs> that, okay i agree that was the creepiest thing i've ever seen on tv But number two. And they go floating. They go floating. They don't. But number two, to me, is Weeping Angels.
0: Tied for first. (laughs) Really? Those things are absolutely creepy. With their little hands over their eyes, so so and people then they who, come up closer. And
2: so people who don't know how the weeping like angels soundtrack. work, it's just they're just statues of really creepy angels with teeth and stuff, and they're just there. The thing is, though, if you blink, they move, or if it's dark, they move towards you, and if they touch you, I can't remember what their thing was. They they took you back in time, or they sucked you. You you were gone. And I can't remember the whole thing. I remember that's kind of what happened to Amy and Rory. They got sucked back in time and got stuck. Uh, but anyway, so the whole thing is you can't ever turn your back to them or they'll come and get you. As long as you look and they just look like, you know, regular statues. But if you blink and what was so creepy, is like they had like lights that would blink and they would get closer every single time they showed them.
0: <laughs> and I'm I'm remembering y'all, we own our pop culture, our geek Christmas tree. yes. It's a weeping angel. That's the tree topper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, we forgot that. And it has been for years. For years. So we have a for geek years. tree, and the mm-hmm. and I remember we saw it years ago. Uh-huh. You typically, somebody puts a nice little angel on top. <laughs> yeah. Ours is the weeping we have angel. The weeping angel.
0: <laughs> All right. So let me jump to this. When we opened up this box and saw that it was Amy Pond. Yes. And it's Rory.
2: Yep. And Claire. And,
0: and Claire. Clara. 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 Yeah. Clara. And uh, Matt Smith, we call him. I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. It was like being in the game. I like thematic games. Yes. So I'm all about rolling the dice. Give me that theme. This combined, like that, it was very thematic. Very very mm -hmm. thematic and true to the story of Doctor Who.
2: Yeah. So you have these map tiles that are grids and you randomly put them out on the table. It's a three by three grid. And the idea is that you've, the party has crashed in the TARDIS and they, ha- they have to go pick up the pieces from around the map to repair the TARDIS. And on each corner section of the map, there's a piece of the TARDIS. So one person plays as the angel, angels, and then the others up to one to four additional players will play as one of those characters that we had just mentioned. Now, since it was just you and I, you played as all the characters. No, I played as all the yeah. characters and you played as the angels. Mm-hmm. The goal of the characters. Pick up the pieces, get them back to the middle of the board with the TARDIS to escape. The goal of the angels is to get up to neck everybody and touch them and take them out of the game. Sounds simple enough. Hmm? (laughs) But there's some things thrown in there. So for one, one thing I think is, is there's eight angel standees on the board. By the way, these are standees. This isn't a very expensive game. So it's not like little miniatures. It's standees. But they look really good. The art is like perfect. You playing as the angel player can only activate four of your eight angels. And I don't know which ones you're going to activate. So each of them are numbered. So at the beginning of a round, you pick four that will be activating. And then uh, I, as the player, take my turn. I can, I can move around the board. And as I move, I can uh, when I cross a piece, I just pick it up and I can start uh, moving back. So I can move up to six spaces. And facing for the characters is very important. There's a front and back side to the standee, and you want to make sure that you can see as much as the room as possible. Because when it got to your turn as the angels, then you would show which of the angels were going to activate, and you had four action points that you could assign to any of those angels in the same angel multiple times in order to move them around the room to try to capture me.
0: That's right. So you want to make sure that you can see where the angel is coming from. Mm -hmm. But then when I got close enough... You had a card that you could activate.
2: That's right. So when you got in line of sight of me, before you activated yours, I have a deck of blink don't blink cards. And I assign a blink or a don't blink card to each of the characters. If you as the angel get in the line of sight of a character, I flip over the card. If it says don't blink, you're done. Because I'm not blinking, you can't move anymore, that angel's stuck. And then I have to discard that don't blink card out of my deck. Now, if it says blink, you get to continue on your turn because I've now blinked and you can continue moving. Again, very thematic. The bad thing is the blink card goes back into my deck. So what happens over the course of the game is I use don't blink. The only thing left in my deck is very few don't blinks and mainly blinks.
0: Which gives you a feeling of anxiousness and stress,
2: just like in the show. And and so as the time goes on, it makes it tougher and tougher for the characters in order to move around without getting caught
0: but there is a neat aspect to this game the characters have some abilities not the angel but the um
2: the individual yeah each character has their own don't blink card that does something special it's a one-time use then it's out of the game yep
0: and it was on and then there's a certain card where if it was played because the, the angel doesn't have anything, any special ability throughout the game unless that
2: particular card is played. Oh, yeah. So if I use the special card, at the bottom half of the card is a special angel ability. So I would give it to Vanessa and say, well, I've used this ability. Now you can hold on to it and use it as the angel whenever you want. So, yeah, I got to do something cool. But then I give her a card that she can use to make my life even tougher.
0: <laughs> but we didn't quite get to those because, of course, I thought going in.
2: Well, I didn't want fir- to use them.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, my first thought was this is going to be really easy for the characters, I don't know why I was thought it was going to be easy for the characters. And when with like three turns or four turns, maybe I had touched two of them. Yep. D- uh, Doctor Who and Rory were out of there, mm-hmm. but then the rest of the game really was like the show. It was like you would move, I would get close enough, but then you would give me the don't blink, and then it it was just back and forth. And then you got one piece, made it back to the TARDIS, and then you ended up winning. Which was aggravating,
2: but <laughs> well, yeah, it ends up being a little tactical <laughs> I'm game. kidding. Because one of the uh, things that the angels can do with their action points is get the attention of a character and turn them and face them. And, and I I, didn't you did take that advantage that. of that because well, so the idea is if, if an angel's behind a character, obviously the character can't see them, and it can do capture their attention where it flips them. And then you could strategically move another angel in behind them to then tap them.
0: Well, I got stuck in doing my one action move, and I didn't do that action move. Yeah. So let's go back, because now I think we're a little bit unclear. Let's look at the angel. The angel had...
2: Four action points that could be spent. But you could spend them on... You, you pick which four you're going to activate you could spend the action points on any of those four that you want.
0: Yes. So I want to go back over the action points because I was stuck on just moving. I was thinking I got to move
2: and move. One action point is move nine spaces. Mm-hmm. One action point is actually catch the attention of somebody. Yes,
0: which I didn't do. And now we do need to play. Against and the last one do. is
2: you did do because it's capture the adjacent heroes. So if you get beside them, you spend a point to actually touch them and they're gone.
0: Yes. Yep. So I, I didn't do the capture attention,
2: which is really cool. Yeah, it is. And then one other thing that's cool for the characters is that you can drag statues. So as you walk beside yes. of a, an angel, you can pull them along. If you can get two angels looking at the, each other, they're stuck for the rest of the game. <laughs> so so there's a lot of little strategy it going really on is. this little 20-minute game. Yeah, I mean, it's fast.
0: And it is a must-have for a Doctor Who fan.
2: I agree. Thematically, it is really good. And it, it made me think about how good that story was. Do you remember, still to this day, the finale with Rory and, Amy. and and Amy is such an emotional thing to watch because it's been a long time. I don't know. If, I don't know if we should spoil it, but uh, you, you think the episode is over, and then the maybe am- don't spoil anything. Well, then the angels show up. So you remember what happens at the very end, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was it was hard, hard to watch. It was one of the best send offs for the um, companions Doctor Who companions I've ever seen.
0: For me, it was when Rory stood guard as a for, as a
2: Roman centurion or whatever yeah, it was, yeah, over the uh the block or something that Amy was in. Yes, for like how many years? Hundreds. I was going to say I thought it was four hundred
0: years.
3: Yeah,
2: we
0: got to go back and rewatch yeah. that.
2: And it was so good because at first Amy couldn't stand Rory, and they just <laughs> got closer over time. It was so good.
0: And we hadn't even talked about Clara. We left Clara too.
2: <laughs> this is a great game. Even here's the thing. You really like thematic games, but lots of times thematic games are do use dice and everything. Yes,
0: which do- is what I like, and what you what I started out by saying. I really do prefer that. And so, Marty, I. I you job before Marty will say I have a game you have a worker and you place it here and you try to
2: build this <laughs> and you try to get victory points look y'all if, there, if victory point is the goal of a game I really have to persuade Vanessa to play
0: <laughs> but yet if you say how come you never asked me to play a new game with dice
2: because a lot of the new games coming out with dice have victory points would you consider playing some with dice with victory points
0: when I play a game I don't want to think too much <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be relaxing. I think a lot. And I want to roll dice, and I want the dice to tell me what to do. (laughs) This was incredible because it has the great theme that I like. And and there's no text. You just open the box, and the theme is there if you know Doctor Who. If
2: you know the story of the Weeping Angels, it captures it really well. And if you've never watched The Weeping Angels. It'll make you want to. Yeah. You, you need to go back. I, I didn't realize this. I went back and, and looked up a little bit of the history of when they first appeared in Blink. That's what is considered one of the best all-time episodes of Doctor Who. It won a lot of awards. Mm. Uh, it was one of the first episodes that Stephen Moffat wrote. And, you know, he became the main yeah. writer on the show. Stephen Moffat, who also wrote Sherlock. Oh, wow. I remember, he also worked on Sherlock. So we're, we're big fans of a lot of the Stephen uh, Moffat's work. Yeah. Yeah, so it plays uh, basically uh, two to five players. Plays in about 20, maybe 30 minutes, probably with uh, more players.
0: And the age was 14 and up.
2: I really think you'll appreciate this more if you know Doctor Who and the Weeping Angels. Yeah. By far. I mean, if you just picked this up and never seen it before, it was like, okay, here's a cute little game. But you would really get into it more if you knew what was going on. And Vanessa, I mean, we talked about our infatuation with Doctor Who. Uh, I forgot. Just now I remember, when we went to New York Comic Con... One day, you cosplayed as the 11th Doctor. You wore a a red bow tie, and you had a fez Mm -hmm. and you had a sonic screwdriver, and I got a picture of you. I I should post that when we post this episode.
0: Where is our sonic screwdriver? I could have used that when trying to change the
2: batteries. (laughs) I don't know where it is. All right, so this is uh, uh, Doctor Who, Don't Blink from Gale Force Nine, designers Dylan Batarlo, Joss Dirksen, and Thomas Golton, And uh, why don't we end this segment the same way we started it? All right, y'all, make sure to come out next episode for our annual Squirrelies. This is our annual award show where we pick games to win in certain categories. We're going to have a lot of guests coming on to our show, doing presentations and announcing the winners of each of our categories. So you want to make sure and come back for that one. It's always a very fun show for um, us to do. And, uh, Tony, it uh, looks like there's a lot of really hot video games right now. And the the one that came out, not really out of nowhere, a lot of people have been looking forward to a game called Elden Ring. And it came out and got like a 97 on Metacritic, which makes it one of the highest ranked games of all time. Is this one of those games that you have any interest in an open world game or because of the difficulties? like, nope, not for me. It is probably one of those
1: that I, as you saw on our Discord channel, am very much considering. Playing after doing uh, the Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I said, "You know what? Maybe this is a game that I would enjoy very much." I've already watched videos on the various classes, trying to figure out which class I would want to play or be. <laughs> there was one I was watching Marty, and the guy says, "This class, the the um, Bandit, I wouldn't recommend this for a beginner. This class, the uh, uh, oh god, well, well the Wretch." definitely not for a beginner. This class, I wouldn't play this one for a beginner. I wouldn't play this one for a beginner. I wouldn't do this if I was a beginner. No, I don't think I'd do this one for a beginner. I was like, dude, I think you've covered them all and none of them are for a beginner. You're scaring me away from this game. And the fact that I also then, somebody was saying, if you play this game, you need to have pencil and paper next to you because there is no tracking of quests. There is no little circles out there in the world. You have no idea. You will hear of a quest, and you better remember where that quest is, who you got to return it to, all this stuff. I was like, it's scary, but I will probably, if it goes on sale, buy it. Have
2: you ever played a Souls game before?
1: He asked me in this uh, last episode when we talked about the difficulty, and no, I have never played a Souls game, and I don't know if I'd want to, However, with this one, with the open world, that's what's got me, you know, kind of leaning towards it.
2: Well, this is a soul style game.
1: Mm -hmm. I understand. You die, you die.
2: You understand? It's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be do. It's going to ramp up, but just stay and protect yourself. Easy mode. That's okay. I got that. Okay. I'm the same way. I I don't need it. Day one. It's one of those things when it goes on sale, a lot of people have been playing it and have been enjoying it. And the reason why I don't need it in day one is because uh, we're recording this the day before the expansion for Guild Wars 2 comes out. I'm excited. I spent two and a half hours before we started recording running with people on our Discord channel, getting hero points so that I can apply them to the new specialization that comes out on uh, the expansion. And I can't wait to try out this new area, try out this new specialization for my Mesmer. So thanks again to Colin. Man, Colin's awesome about in our Discord channel coming on, taking us around, showing us how to get hero points here and, uh, you know, mastery points over there. Each. Just does a really good job kind of taking a group and and leading us along. So I can't wait to play and explore this new area with everybody. And then, oh boy, I've been excited about Triangle Strategy, uh, which is like Ogre Tactics or Final Fantasy Tactics uh, on the uh, GBA, that style of game. I can't wait to try that out when it comes out next week, too. I don't know if that's one you'd be interested on your Switch, a turn-based tactical game.
1: So I do enjoy some of those, but there was one I did not where it reminded me of advanced wars, but it did not click for me. And I forget which game that was. And I bought it, tried it, got rid of it. I was like this. I just, wasn't having a whole lot of fun with it. So I, I watched the videos on that. Yeah. I'm kind of interested in that, but I've got so much to play on the switch now that I think I will just wait for that one. Maybe that will be a year and a half down the road for me to even consider picking up because I've got, Oh, what else is on the Switch that I have? Oh, uh, I picked up three games from the recent sale that you forced me to buy. I forget what they are now.
2: I don't remember me recommending anything.
1: You know, oh, the one JRPG you wanted me to get and try out. I still haven't cranked it up. And then I played the card game. And then there was another one. I put, uh, oh, trend game the trying, train, train, trying, trying. Pretty yeah. simple.
2: T-R-I-N-E.
1: Well, T-R-I-N-E. Is there an apostrophe somewhere? Nope. Okay. So a lot of games to play. I still got a backlog for the PlayStation. I need to try to get in there. I'm trying to power through Valhalla right now just to get it done.
2: My gosh, how are you still playing this game? You've been playing, playing this game for months. Well, you know me. I only play for like twenty minutes. Oh, okay. You got to get prepped for Advance Wars coming out in a month.
1: Maybe by the end. I, I did crank up finally Subnautica. Bert got in my wallet recently, and I bought mm-hmm. Subnautica and I played it. And I'm very frustrated right now with that stupid game because. I do not like games where I am constantly having to feed myself and being told you need to go do this and do that. And I'm like, Oh my heavens, is this what all this game and then, Oh, go chase a fish. I'm chasing fish right now. I'm like, this is what
2: the heck is going on here. I got to figure this out. (laughs) Too many games, too little time, I guess. It's just funny. All these great games coming out at the same time. And, Black Friday, I bet Elden Ring will be really cheap somewhere by that time.
1: <laughs> yes, probably so. I mean, that and that's plenty of time. And by then it'll be patched up and there won't be all these little cheats that you can do to get ultimate this. I did watch, you know, the seven things you need to know before starting Elden Ring. And I was like, okay, so I need to do all this. The map looked gorgeous. Oh, so, yeah, I'll wait for it to go on sale. No no need. No rush to get it now.
2: So don't forget, everybody, uh, we got a great uh, Discord channel uh, going on. A lot of things going on. And as a reminder, once we hit $400, we will be giving away a $40 gift card, to miniature market to a random member of the Discord channel. So get over there right now and join because you might be one of those winners. And next episode is uh, Squirrelly Awards.
1: Yay! And thanks to all those who voted for the All Y'all Award. That that will have closed by the time this episode released. So thanks to everybody who voted for that. And with that,
2: keep rolling dice. And taking names. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to join our Discord channel. You can follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Instagram, Dyson Names. Check out our YouTube channel where I just... Released my video of my eighth most influential game of all time, StarCraft. See you all next episode for the Squirrelies.
0: And finally, after my suggestion and help from a listener, a new Taste Bug Taste Buds is hard for me to say. Taste buds segment was something healthy. Share a Shakespeare segment with something healthy. My tongue cannot say all that. I don't know what else to say. Hey, y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review squaring Circleville and Libertalia. The guys review...
2: Mm. I say Libertalia, but I can okay. really see how, how you saying Libertalia makes sense, too. I'll
0: say Talia. Ya. Hey, y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Squaring Circleville. Squaring Circleville Did I say it right a minute ago? Hey y'all, it's time for rolling I, I can't remember what I want to say Libertalia so bad. I
2: think it's fine. I don't know if it's right. <laughs> but what do you call it? Libertalia. <laughs> but
0: Libertalia sure should... Libertalia. But it should Circleville. Talia may not... Circleville. Circleville. Circleville.
2: It's Circleville. Actually actually a real city. Circle Circleville.
0: Circleville. 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 My tongue is not doing it. My tongue feels really thick and heavy tonight. Circleville. Oh,
2: that was it.
0: Libertalia. I'll say it, but
2: I could be wrong.
0: What? You need to find out from the people who wrote it. And how did they say it on the. They said Libertalia? Yeah. Libertalia. Libertalia. It's what she said. Libertalia. Okay, then go with that. Liber, libertalia. So, so the way you're libertalia. It, you're like, Liber- libertalia. No, I wasn't.
2: Oh, you're saying Libertalia.
0: Libertalia. All right, flip it back. This is terrible. Hey, y'all, it's time for rolling dice and taking. T- <laughs> I can't
5: do it tonight.
0: My tongue feels funny. Turn that away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hey y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review squaring Circleville and Liber... What?